Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Obviously, this year has not gone as we planned, so we really want to focus on what 2024 and beyond would look like. And we felt like as we had players that were attractive to other teams, we had players that were coming, uh, becoming free agents, and we felt like the timing, albeit unique for the St. Louis Cardinals, we had to do this. It's not a happy moment, but we certainly um, are excited about the, the, the future opportunity we were able to acquire today. That was John Mosaylock yesterday after the St. Louis Cardinals made their first two significant deals at this year's trade deadline alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks. And I'm Brandon Kylie. We'll talk about those deals basically all day long today here on BK and Ferrario. We have two fantastic guests coming up later on in the show to help us break them down. JJ Cooper is the editor in chief of Baseball America, one of the best websites that you can go to to find out more information on prospects. He's going to join us at 1230. We've got Katie Wu. The Cardinals insider for The Athletic joining us at one o'clock as she does each and every Monday. But Alex, we begin with John Mosaylock's comments from yesterday. We knew the Cardinals were going to have to make these trades. Jordan Montgomery uh, and Jordan Hicks were both always likely to leave. Stratton, same way. You've got expiring deals. Get something for the guys that are right now in the last two months of their Cardinals career, most likely. So what they did yesterday is they flipped Monty and Stratton to the Rangers, and then they sent Jordan Hicks up to t- the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm going to start out with this, the obvious. I like the Montgomery trade a lot. That is not to suggest that I don't like the Hicks trade. I think it's fine. They got a couple of guys that project to be depth starters for them based on all of the prospect reports that you see. Let's focus for a minute, though, on the Monty and Stratton deal that sent them to the Rangers. This is the upside deal, Alex, in my opinion. They got a guy, John King. Pretend he's not even in this deal. He's going to be up here for like the rest of this year. The likelihood is he might not even be with the Cardinals next year. He's my favorite part of this King has returned. He's a throw-in. Whoa! I'm going to call him Will T. Thomas. How are we going to pronounce his last name? I just looked it up. So JC? Yeah. Thomas Sejaci, otherwise known as Lil T. No, T-Bone. And then T-Bone's TK Roby, who is the pitcher in this one. Those two prospects were the best prospects that the Cardinals got yesterday based on basically everybody's report. Roby is the pitcher in this one. He projects kind of similarly, it seems like, to Gordon Graceffo. He could be a number two if everything goes well. Look over here. That's the good part. The bad part He's got a shoulder injury right now, and he had an elbow injury a couple of years ago. So you got some health concerns. Welcome he, to pitching, guys. He can't be hurt the rest of his yeah. career. He did it all now. Good thing that didn't affect our number one this year. Will T? Or in the past. 
The guy is a perfect cardinal. Tell me if you've heard this profile for a Cardinals prospect. Would you before. want him to date your daughter? Absolutely. Okay, well then, yeah. Apparently perfect a cardinal. great teammate. Perfect Cardinal. He does not wear batting gloves. Oh. He is undersized. He get, he's got some versatility. He can play second. He can play third. You apparently do not want him playing shortstop, though. He's got Matt Duffy size, oh, man. but hits the ball pretty hard. He's a free swinger. Dude, this guy is the prototypical Cardinal. He's going to have a 10-year career here in St. Louis, and he's going to be a fan favorite for years to come. I really liked the return that they were able to get there. I was pretty happy overall with what they did yesterday. Alex, what was your biggest There's takeaway? one thing I know about Cardinals fans. They love little scrappy infielders. Little scrappy infielders are going to be the uh, way to uh, Cardinals fans' hearts. Look, I... I I was pleased and optimistic of the return that they got. And that was just a when you saw the names, Googling it and looking at it on Baseball America and seeing where they rank and checking out where they were in the prospect system. And then once you read more pieces, whether it was Keith Law or Andy McCullough from The Athletic, talking about the upside that they got in a couple of these players, especially in Roby, who was somebody who could project. No quotation marks. If the injuries don't hurt yeah. him, you got somebody who could be a number two in a rotation and then you got an infielder that it seems like if all the things continue this way it's going to be an everyday infielder for the major league club so this was a you weren't going to get much for the return of a jordan montgomery and a chris stratton so you get the best available offer from a team part of me was a little frustrated because i was like man if you just would have held out a little longer maybe you would have had more teams battling over somebody like Jordan Montgomery because pitching, everybody wants pitching and everybody needs pitching right now. And now the Padres don't seem like they're selling. Cardinals are going to have everybody. But when you see the names and you see the reports on these these guys that they got in return, it sure seems like they did what John Mozeliak mentioned in terms of going out there, finding guys with swing and miss stuff and finding guys that can replenish your pitching system that could be contributors next year. Z-Bone? Yeah, I, I like what they did because I think there's two kind of high upside guys here you got the infielder who i think looks like a potential like has a harrison bader kind of bat profile where he might be a free swinger 15 to 20 home runs but he plays infield positions like a brendan donovan or a tommy edmund and then you get the high upside in roby if he can if his shoulder ends up healing and he has potential as a number two and then you look at the other guys they brought in in sagacy and Kloffenstein. i i think you look at those guys and they provide depth for you next year they're probably at best number five starters but next year, there are guys that are in AAA. You deal with injuries in your rotation. Unlike this year, where you have to rush Adam Wainwright back from the IL, you have potentially these guys to call up. So I, I like what they did yesterday. I, I, I like the fact that they took some swings on some guys in the Texas Rangers deal and went for more certainty in the Blue Jays deal. I, I really like what they did. I would give them a B because I think the only way you can earn an A on deals like this is if you get like a really big steal. And I don't think they ended up with or a steal. Or major league talent. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. like last year, I think they got an A. It's different, of course. But I think the Yankees and the Cardinals somehow both came out of last year's deadline with an A for the Montgomery for Bader deal. Yeah. The Yankees got what they needed, a defensive center fielder that's got some upside with the bat. The Cardinals got what they needed, a mid-tier starter that throws from the left side and helps them not just for last year, but for this year as well. That's an A deal. These are Bs because you got a guy in TK Roby who's got upside, like legit could be a number two starter in your rotation upside. Yeah, there's a good chance. In fact, the overwhelming likelihood is he breaks your heart along with every other pitching prospect you've ever seen. Like that's what happens with these guys. So you bet on upside there. You bet on what feels like, even if it's not, more certainty with the two arms that they got in return for Jordan Hicks. These guys seem to be depth additions. They could be number five starters where TK Roby, if you're looking at the Cardinal system and you guys know more about these guys than you do probably other prospects, I do as well. 
TK Roby is similar to Graceffo. The guys that they got in the Hicks return remind me a little more of McGreevy. Where it's like, yeah, they pitched a contact a little more. There's not a ton of swing and miss. But they could be major league starters for you. And they could be major league starters elsewhere. Maybe a year from now, they're flipping them at the deadline to be able to get the starters that you need or to get the bat that you need. So I like what they were able to do in terms of the depth that they added to their pitching in the system. That was necessary. Here's why I really liked what they did. And it's not so much of, oh, you didn't get the upside with some of these guys, although you did with Roby, you took a shot. But it's something Tebow mentioned there. You got guys who more than likely project to be number fives. And to me, you didn't have enough of those to get you through this season. You didn't have enough guys that when you went to AAA to call them up, they were able to help you. All you had were two guys with the exception of Jake Woodford, who was injured, but you didn't have much. And for the Cardinals to go down there and yeah, these guys aren't ones or twos, but you're not going to get ones or twos for Jordan Montgomery or Jordan Hicks. This was the best return you got. And what you did was going into next season. I don't have to focus if I'm John Moselak in the offseason of finding more guys who could be number fives. I've got Matt's. I've got a couple of these guys that I just acquired in, in the trades. I've got a couple of guys in my system already. Now the focus is making a big trade or making a big signing for the top. So we did get this on the text line, and I think it's the biggest criticism that I have seen on what happened yesterday for the Cardinals. By the way, 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line to get involved in the show. From the 314, guys, these are bad deals. They do not help the Cardinals win in 2024. I do not think they are bad deals because of that. I think we come to the same conclusion, or we have the same idea, but different conclusions. I tend to agree that these aren't going to be a huge help next year. Could these guys factor into the plans for 2024 yes do i think they are the primary plans in the rotation or in the bullpen i would say probably not nor should they be i think what happened yesterday is the cardinals helped to prevent themselves from being in this position in 2025 and beyond with the deals that they were able to make and with the arms that are currently in the system the problem is that they are here at all they should not be in this position but now that you are let's prevent it from happening again So this should help that. But the odds were you selling your expiring deals. They were not going to fix your rotation for 2024, guys. That was going to require you to trade position players. It was going to require an offseason move. And it was going to require free agency. That's how you fix your rotation for next year. And we all knew that. I think we tried to prepare people for that last week on the show when we started to look into like, could you get Clark Schmidt? Who are you going to trade to get these guys? And if you look at the AAA pitching guys across Major League Baseball, Minor League Baseball, I guess, these guys stink all over. All of the pitching prospects that are really close to the majors right now tend to be pretty bad. So the Cardinals were able to go out there and get guys at the AA level that are now going to be in the Cardinals AAA affiliate that can help them as depth pieces for 2024 and beyond. But that's what they were going to get. And I kind of like what they ended up being able to go out there and acquire. Yeah, look. The fact that these deals are beefs is a good sign, but their deadline grade is not done yet. Their their For report sure. card is incomplete. They still have moves to make, including bolstering more depth into the system with a Flaherty deal, potentially a Helsley Gallego steal. And they also are still targeting, as we had John Maroshi on the show Friday say, at minimum they need to get one starter that helps them for 2024. So they're though I think these deals were good, 
their their report card is not done yet on the deadline because they've still got what 48 hours to get things determined what else they're going to be doing but i like these deals because though yes i don't think it was even reasonable to say you were going to get help for 2024 they help with depth i mean four of the guys that you acquired yesterday three of those four slot into the top 10 in your prospect pool uh, according to uh, mlb pipeline and that's a good that's that's, good. that's really good the fact that you've got now granted that's really good but it also may be a sign of what your prospect system yeah, I was, was. <laughs> but it's good to see that you're able to bolster that and add some arms that maybe whether they help you in 2025 or at minimum help at, at best help you in 2024 prevent you from falling into the same scenario you're in right now i would even add on to what t-bone said and the the report card's not going to be done on this trade deadline frankly the report card's not going to be done until i see what he does in the offseason because none of these guys including jack flaherty if you still trade him or even a dylan carlson unless you're packaging them together they're not fixing the top end of your rotation the guys that will fix the top end of your rotation are donovan gorman Newt Bar. These guys that they're going to have to muster up and trade because that's how you fix the top end of your rotation. Anything else that's done between now and tomorrow at five o'clock, that's just going to help the depth for 2024, which is why at least I'm optimistic about it. So can I get you guys excited? Yeah. Did somebody just get traded while we were no. talking? Okay. Uh, it's about one of the guys that the Cardinals got in return. Yeah. It's his a little shoulder, is his shoulder Did healthy? his shoulder repair? No. I saw so, he called Mo and was going to ask if he could throw again. But he just, wanted to go play Cardinals catch. are starting yeah. him tomorrow, probably. Can I, hey, Mo, can can I go, go play, play catch? catch? <laughs> can I have a catch? Not like a little kid. Oh, God. Uh, so, Lil T, Lil the T. infielder that they got. And the reason, guys, why I'm calling him Lil T is 5'11", a buck 75. He's like Technically, Matt T-Bone's Duffy. smaller than him, so I think T-Bone should is be he? Lil T. I'm T-Bone's five, shorter. I'm 5'8". Yeah. Yeah, T-Bone's smaller. What you, what's your listed weight? <laughs> You can't ask him that yeah, on air, man. Unbelievable. Over under one seventy five. Pan down. Pan. I think under. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna. I'm gonna raise my hand. Tell me when to stop. When we get a little higher or lower. <laughs> Tell me when. Tell me when. Whoa! What are we widening out for? <laughs> All right, little T, the the infielder that they got. He's really interesting. Oh, jeez. Again, Cardinals fans love little scrappy infielders, man. Me what of. if I told you his numbers at Double A are better than Jordan Walker's numbers at Double A last Ooh. year? So we say we got a five foot eleven Jordan Walker. I mean, I'm not telling you oh, that so he's going to be Jordan Walker. You trade Nolan Gorman if that's the case. Jordan, I want to say this on the front end because sometimes when people hear that, they're like, "Oh, he's going to be Jordan." No, 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 no. no. Well, then why just say it if you yeah. didn't believe that? Because based on production. He's been really impressive, dude. Uh, expecting this batting average guy. This guy's hitting 315. No, no, no. This is, these are the actual stats. Some of the underlying numbers are less good. Cherry um, pick. He's batting 315 right now down in double A. He's slugging 515. If you look at the OPS plus, so adjust for what the league is doing at that time. He's been better than Jordan Walker was last year. This is a guy that could factor into the Cardinals playing sooner rather than later. Does make me wonder. Why'd they trade for another second baseman? You've got like 12 of them on the mm. roster right now. This guy replacing Taylor Motter? Do they not want Taylor Motter that's around impo- That's impossible no. because you can even DFA Taylor Motter and still bring RBI him back. Yesterday. Taylor Motter is the ultimate comeback story. There should be a movie about him. I do find this guy to be really interesting. And if I was going to do a tinfoil, Alex... My tinfoil would be they acquired him for a reason. Oh, yeah, that's not a tinfoil. And it would be because they know the likelihood is they're going to have to trade one of their middle infielders at the deadline to get the pitching that you all on the text line right now are asking for. Problem is that means giving up on Brendan Donovan or Nolan Gorman, most likely. Maybe it's Tommy Edmond that you end up giving up on. I, I think it's probably more likely to be one of those first two names that I mentioned. And having a guy like this in your system... 
it allows for a little bit of ability to backfill that spot. He's not going to be Nolan Gorman hitting 40 home runs, but could he hit 260 with 15 to 20? There's the potential based on the reports that he could he could be that guy for it. from the six one eight. My buddy is the pitching coach for the double A Texas team and says that Lil T is better than Acuna. Okay, I'm assuming, I'm he's, assuming talking he's talking about, about Acuna's brother. brother that was traded, yeah. not Ronald Acuna. If they got somebody better than Ronald Acuna, I mean, then yep, trade I Jordan saw Walker. His brother's supposed to be really good. His brother's supposed to be great. Um, I saw another report earlier today that people that watch the system regularly legitimately considered him to be a top five prospect in the Rangers minor league system. And I saw another report that people are higher on TK Roby than they are on lighter. And I know a lot of people in a Cardinals fan base wanted lighter coming from the Texas Rangers. It's possible the Cardinals got the better arm. Well, we uh, rivers and I talked with uh, the athletic Texas Rangers writer on Friday and he said that there are a couple of guys that would make sense in a trade and he brought up Roby's name first and said if not for the injury he might have been somebody who skyrocketed to the top of the Rangers prospect system some people thought he was going to be the number one prospect in their system Fangraph said he was the best Keith Law thought if he was healthy he could be even one of the top pitchers in all of minor leagues well not a high bar to clear to be fair because there's like three of them in his top 50 but he could have been included in that you still could, a bar okay next year by midseason the guy that you just traded for from the rangers this arm could be a legit top 50 prospect in major league baseball could He's also got lose that his arm. kind of ceiling yeah could or, also not pitch next yeah. year so those have are the a new two potential paths. speaking of pitching for the cardinals in 2024 it seems like we can write this name into the rotation in pin we'll tell you who that is coming up next year on 101 espn we're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. Steven Matz looks like a different pitcher since he's returned to the Cardinals rotation in five starts. He's gone 26 and two thirds innings. Alex, he's given up just five earned runs in that stretch. Maybe most importantly, the swing and miss stuff is there. Opposing hitters are batting just 185 against him. And yesterday, John Mosellock was asked about the Cardinals' plans in their rotation for next year. He made it pretty clear where Matz fits into that category. I'm absolutely thrilled of what I've seen out of Stephen Matz. Um, when you think back to when we signed him, why we signed him, um, the last uh, three weeks was exactly what we were hoping to see. I mean, I hope he keeps replicating what he's doing the rest of the way. And if so, you can just, uh, you don't need a pencil. You can use pen and put him in our rotation for next year. That's where I see him as well. This is a guy that right now with the way that he's been pitching, and listen, he's not going to pitch the rest of the season with a 170 ERA. It's probably unlikely. Jack Flaherty did it in 2019, and look at us. But... He could be somebody that pitches like a legit number four or number five starter. He's got a 4.1 ERA right now. When the Cardinals signed him, I think this is kind of what they saw. Was overall this season, this kind of production out of him. Alex, if he continues that, where do you view him for the 2024 rotation? You write him in pen, just like John Mosellock mentioned. Because of a couple of reasons. One, he deserves to be written in pen for how he pitched in the second half. And frankly, for the attitude that he provided from going into the bullpen and having the positive mentions about it, really never fussing about it at all. Yeah. And frankly, I think he realized how bad he was and needed to get fixed. And then as soon as he got that opportunity, as soon as something took place, he had that bleep it mentality and took over and ran the rest of the way. So for Steven Matz, 
he should be in pen. And on the other side of that, it benefits the Cardinals too, because if he wasn't in pen, then now you're talking four guys that you got to fit into this rotation. And frankly, you don't have enough depth, even with these trades to sit there and act like you can fill four spots in the off season. So Matt's is a positive for his career and a very bigger positive for the Cardinals, because you need Steven Matt's to be at the back end of your rotation. Frankly, if he pitches this way, the rest of the way I'm looking at a three, four of a Michaelis Matt's op, optimistically and finding a one and a two. Yeah, if Mats couldn't write his name in pen for the 2024 rotation, I don't think they can fix the rotation in an offseason. I, I really think that's how important it is that he's been able to turn it around and get into this rotation because we heard John Denton tell us, I believe it was John Denton last week, say the reason that they've even considered re-signing Jack Flaherty is because it terrifies them going into the offseason with three openings. Well, imagine if he had four openings because Mats hasn't figured out and you got to plan on his $11 million being in the bullpen. So bleeped. Yeah, and look, acquiring three arms is going to be tough. I think one's in trade, two's via free agency. But if you had to add in a fourth, I just don't know if they would be able to do it. I, I don't know if they'd have the they would have the assets to do it in terms of money and trade chips. But I think they would probably have to acquire two arms via trade, and I think that would potentially start that pendulum swing that we always talk about, where you're trading too much of your offense to get too much pitching. So the fact that he's been able to figure it out, I think I'm not going to say it gives me more faith in them fixing the rotation for 2024, but it certainly is the right step or, or the right direction for the Cardinals to be heading in 2024 to have two names in pen rather than just one. Yeah, the nice thing about where they're at right now is, and this is like where the nice things about where they're at right now kind of ends. You've got two guys in your rotation, and then you've got really nice depth beyond that of upside pieces like Libertor, McGreevy, Robers, uh, Cloth, Roby, the, all those guys. That's five pitchers that I just mentioned that are probably going to be at your AAA affiliate starting out next season. Like, that's probably the AAA rotation on opening day of next year. I didn't even mention Graceffo, who could be thrown into that mix as well. Honestly, depending on what Hentz does the rest of the way, could be in the conversation. By midseason at mm-hmm. a minimum, for sure. And that's that's a really good place to be as depth. That is a much different place than where this team was going into this season. The problem is filling out that 1-3-5. and five. And that's where I do wonder if the Cardinals are going to be looking to at least add one other guy that they can write in pin into that rotation at this year's trade deadline. And this is where we get to Aaron Savali. Aaron Savali is a mid-rotation starter for the Cleveland Guardians. He's been excellent so far this year in terms of his overall results, Alex. You look at the bottom line, man, the guy has a sub-3 ERA on the season. It's pretty hard to argue with that. But he doesn't strike a whole lot of batters out. He is your classic Cardinals pitchability type of starter. He's got multiple years of club control remaining, though. And he is apparently available at this year's trade deadline. The Guardians beat writer wrote today a story on why the Guardians would trade him. And it's basically as simple as this. They got a bunch of pitching. And if they want to compete this year or beyond, they got to find position players. They are the bizarro Cardinals. They got a bunch of pitching, but no hitting. The Cardinals have a bunch of hitting, but not enough pitching. So Derek Gould retweeted this story earlier today and said, a starter with several several years of control, a wicked curveball, and a team looking for offense, including young outfielders. Ah, remember the days of the annual Cardinals-Cleveland deal? Set your watch by it. This is an interesting story by Zach Mizell. Also getting Jake Westbrook 2.0. Would you guys be interested in Aaron Savali? Let's set aside what the return would be for now, just in 
a theoretical sense, is this a pitcher that would interest you for the Cardinals? It would for me because you have to round out the bottom five of your rotation. And I know we just talked about having Mattson, Penn, you've got Michaelis, you've got a lot of these names that could be depth in AAA, but I don't want to rely on those depth names in AAA to win the job out of training camp. I want to have a name there so that there's that internal competition. And Savali is not a one or a two, frankly, even a three. But if I'm bringing him in, I have certainty of a guy who has pitched at the major leagues, who has had success. Yeah, he doesn't have swing and miss stuff, but he has at least figured out how to work with what he has, and it works well at the major league level. So, yeah, I would be interested in bringing him in because it's rounding out that rotation and it's taking away question marks that you have going into the offseason. He's better Clark Schmidt. Yeah, as long as you know. As long as I don't have to have Clark Schmidt. This guy is significantly better than Clark Schmidt, and I say that as the guy that's been talking about Clark But he's also got more reps than Clark Schmidt at the major league level. Yeah. Yeah. Why'd you say it like that? Okay, give me the damn I don't know if Clark Schmidt's ever going to be as good in his career as Aaron Savali has been so far. He looked okay against Baltimore over the weekend. He's he's fine. He's a a league average pitcher. Aaron Savali has a... 2.3 2.3 ERA this year. If Clark Schmidt ever gets that, it would be a surprise. I saw Schmidt pitch it's a couple of starts. actually surprising Savali's got it. I've Fair. seen Schmidt pitch a couple of starts ago, and it didn't look very good. Yeah. It uh, Schmitty. But I, I, I don't mind Savali as long as you know you're going to be looking to upgrade to the top end of the rotation because Savali's the guy that you trade for. Don't give up a ton, a ton in terms of like a top-end asset like a Nolan Gorman, Brennan Donovan. You acquire him, and you slot him in as that number 4 slash 5 for you right there with Steven Matz. And I think it's okay because – Though he doesn't have a lot of swing and miss, he does pitch to contact. I think it's okay to probably have two of those guys in your rotation, and he would be that second guy with Miles Michaels. Because I think Steven Matz, though he gets the the mantra of being a pitch-to-contact pitcher, he's actually got decent swing and miss stuff, especially now that he's got that changeup working. So I don't mind Savali as long as you have the mindset of, okay, we got our four, now we got to go get our one and two. All right, now comes the hard part. Because I agree with you guys. I think Savali, if you have Michaelis, Mattson, Savali as the back three in your rotation, I feel fine about that. I've got no issues with that being your bottom three out of the five. What do you trade for it, though? Because I think it's going to cost more than what we're all hoping for because of how many teams are going to be interested in acquiring good major league starting pitching when there is very little of it available at this year's trade deadline. A bunch of contenders need it. Very few teams are willing to sell it. So what do you give up? How do you make it worth Cleveland's while? I think the answer is Dylan Carlson. And it might cost a little more than that. And that's where I think Cardinals fans might get a little squeamish is, hold on. So we're giving up a guy that could be an all-star caliber outfielder for a mid to back end of the rotation starter that had some injury concerns in his past. And we might have to add more to be able to make the deal done. I think that might be the case. Makes me anxious, makes me not feel super great about it, but if the Cardinals view Dylan Carlson long-term as a fourth starter, and you're not getting significant hits from him around the league where you feel like you're getting an upside starter, locking yourself into a mid-rotation starter for that return is not the worst thing in the world. Now, if they're asking for Gorman or Donovan, I'm just flat out hanging up the phone and saying, no, if I'm trading those guys, I'm getting somebody that's a stud. I'm looking for a Logan Gilbert. I'm looking for somebody that's in the front end right now of the Marlins rotation. Like, that's what I'm acquiring with those left-handed power bats. For Dylan Carlson, whose value has probably never been lower, I would consider it. Yeah, for me, Carlson... Alec Burleson, Tommy Edmond, those are the names that if they're asking about it, yeah, let's talk. But if they ask for Burleson and Carlson, for example, how do you feel about that? That feels like it's too expensive for this. But 
I understand that you're not going to get him just for one of those players. And frankly, I think you need certainty and you're not at the point. I can't be a hypocrite and go back on what I've been saying so far. You, you're not at the point to sit there and say, well, I can't get rid of that because that's too much giving up because you still have all of these outfielders that you're quote unquote relying upon. So if that was it, yeah, I probably would, would pull that deal because then I still have those other pieces, the Gormans, the Donovans, the Newt Bars, if somebody's willing to discuss the top end starting pitchers. Yeah, you know? I, I would pull that move off if it's Carlson and Burleson. Even if it's just Burleson, I would pull it off too because I, I think when I look at both those guys, I, I think both are fourth outfielders. Or Carlson, kind of platoon starter, can start against left-handers. So I'm not afraid to move on from one of the, both of those guys to go out and get a controllable kind of number four type starter that's going to be a guy that I can put in pen and rely upon for the next handful of years. I, I don't mind making that deal. Outside of those names, I think there's just no deal for the Cardinals to be had. I, I don't want to trade any prospects. I don't want to trade anybody that's got significant value unless, like what you said, you're getting someone like a Logan Gilbert. Do they Would they have any interest in Juan Yepes? I mean, as throw-in. Juan Yepes has very little value right now. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 those are the kind of guys that if we're throwing in, we're throwing in. I don't really yeah. care. They, like, they haven't been contributors for this, and they're not in 2024. They might ask you Carlson, Burleson, and Yepes. Fine. Like, yeah. it, the Yepes part of it doesn't even factor into my discussion. You probably forget Yepes was actually in the trade conversations, and they call Mo, and they go, hey, why is Yepes not here? Oh, I forgot I, to tell him he was trading. And you guys know I liked Juan Yepes. I still think there's a chance that Juan Yepes becomes a solid major league bat, but he's had so many struggles this year, even down in AAA, that – I don't think he really factors in in a significant way to me saying no to any discussion with the Guardians. Can I be totally honest with you? The guy that I'm a little worried about coming back to bite me in this deal is actually not Dylan Carlson. Because I think we kind of know what he is. It's Juan Yepes. It's Alec Burleson. (laughs) Alec Burleson, I know that the overall results are not there yet, guys. I know. I know. I know. He's been really bad in pinch hitting situations, and that also makes me a little nervous about what his long-term future is here in St. Louis because he's going to have to be a fourth outfielder that succeeds in those situations. But he's a good lefty bat. If you look at any of the underlying numbers for him, they project that he's going to be a really solid player long-term. Matt Adams type of hitter where he could hit for average and for power. He's not going to get a high on base percentage because he doesn't take a ton of walks. But average and power, that could be there for Alec Burleson. So if you included him in a deal like this and next year for the Guardians, he's starting at first base for them regularly, has some outfield opportunities, play some DH, hits 280 with 20 home runs. That shouldn't surprise anybody. So acknowledge that up front and know if you end up trading him along with Dylan Carlson, who plays a solid corner outfield for them, for example, and hits 260 with the decent on base percentage and you get a number four starter, you got to be okay with that because that might be what you end up doing in this scenario. I would do it, but it would make me pretty squeamish. It just I, I think it comes down to what the other starters are that are available, and it sure doesn't seem like there's a whole lot out there. I mean, anything you're going to do now, you're squeamish about because you've got Rosarena stuck in your head. But, f- again, uh, frankly, you don't have the luxury to sit here and act like, oh, I can't move on from him. Like, you've seen Burleson, maybe not as much as you've seen other guys, but you've seen Burleson, and he's a really good complimentary piece. This team seems to churn out complimentary pieces. They need to get some guys that are everyday players, and, frankly, on the pitching side of things, I wouldn't mind giving up a Bur- Burleson or a Carlson. And he's kind of blocked right now if we're kind of having a moment of honesty. So, like, if I can use him and get him at kind of peak value to go get a starter that can help me out for years to come, I'm willing to do it. Because right now, Burleson is like the fourth outfielder on the Cardinals because you got Newbar O'Neill. Walker coming back next year. At least that's the plan as of right now. Plus, you can't throw Wedman's name into the outfield slash Donovan. And the DH spot is kind of blocked up with Gorman, Donovan, whoever else you want to put in there, rotate rest guys. 
and Goldschmidt's your first baseman. So he's kind of blocked right now, yep. so I'm not afraid to really move that. Even though it may come back to bite me, I can't really say that when I'm going, okay, where am I going to play him? Does right. it change, though, if their plans are to trade Donovan to get that legit number two starter, and in this scenario they have to trade Carlson and Burleson? Now are you taking away too much from that depth position player-wise to be able to improve your pitching? Or are you still feeling pretty good about it? And now I've got Gorman at second base in this scenario, probably Edmund in center field. I've got O'Neal. I've got Walker. Who You've else? got Newt Bar. Newt Bar still is so available. So Edmund would me. be a utility guy, and Newt yeah. Bar would be in the outfield for it. I think I still think you have a lot. Like maybe you've taken away, and let's say instead of being, I, I don't think the Mariners starters are available. Maybe you traded for one of the Marlins starters. That's the number two in this scenario, and you got Savali as well. Yeah, I, I think you you've lost some of the strength you had on your bench, but frankly, you can spend some money in free agency and bring in a couple of guys to be depth pieces for you, or you've got guys in your minors, but. I still believe that your team is well-suited next season offensively with all of those pieces, and your pitching just got significantly better. If we're talking about a Marlins guy in the Donovan trade, you've got Savali, Mats, and Michaelis, and then all of these other depth pieces while you're spending money for that ace in the offseason. Yeah, I, I think you'd be fine offensively because I think you don't need the two high-on-base guys in Newport and Donovan. I think you just need one of those. I'd be more squeamish if it was like a Gorman getting rid of some power in your lineup, but I'm more of a slug baby slug than an on-base guy. So I, I look at like Donovan and Anupar and say I probably only need one of the two. And if that means I can get a high-level arm like you're talking about from Miami, plus I get Savali in those two deals, yeah, I'm willing to do it, and I don't think I lost a ton offensively. I think the depth in terms of like the bench is kind of lower, but honestly, you can make one or two signings that don't cost a lot to help fortify that. they might have just traded for some of that depth as well with yeah. the guy that they just got in that Little trade T. with the Rangers. Absolutely. Uh, I think this is the ideal scenario for the Cardinals at the deadline. One follow-up question. Would you rather do the trade for Savali where you're getting rid of Burleson and Carlson or a trade for Schmidt where you're just getting rid of Carlson? I so think in I would one scenario, was... you keep Burleson, but you get a lower ceiling and honestly lower floor pitcher and Schmidt. And the other one you get rid of Burleson and you get Savali. I would go Savali. I think I'd go Savali too. I think so too. I would just want a better pitcher in my rotation. Yeah. And as you mentioned, T Bone, I think it's a really good point. Burleson's kind of blocked here in St. Louis. Yeah. How many more years of control Savali have? I think it's three. Three years. This year plus two more. And he's 28. So, yeah, I would rather do Savali. That's Alex Ferrario. He's Tanner Hendrickson, and I'm Brandon Kylie. The Cardinals finally woke up over the weekend and they made a comment about Nolan Arenado. Why the hell did it take so long? We'll talk about it next year on 101 ESPN. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. John Mazalak has released a statement on the Nolan Arenado trade rumors. He said, I have stated we are not trading him. We have not asked him to waive his no trade clause. At this time, we are working on building for future success. That's good news for Cardinal Nation. That was the Bally Sports Midwest broadcast on Saturday as the Cardinals released the statement from John Mosaylock that Nolan Arenado will not, Alex, 
be traded. Alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. So this all came after Friday night. There was a bleep storm inside of the Cardinals clubhouse because why? Nolan Arenado, of course, was asked about his future in St. Louis. Alex, this was a you know three-minute gathering between Nolan Arenado and reporters. First, reporters asked if Nolan would talk. And he said, no, I don't want to do that right now. And then he came back. He said, you know what? I'll go ahead and address it. it. It's not going anywhere. So I'll go ahead and make the comments that you guys are asking. Props for. to him, by the way, for doing that, because he didn't have to come back and talk. He's a pro, man. Yep. And there's there's no doubt about that. I hope that as Cardinals fans, you have gained so much more of an appreciation Absolutely. over the last calendar year, really. First him opting back in and then the way that he has approached all of this nonsense over the last few weeks uh, with his name being in the news. So here's what Nolan Arenado had to say. This is just one of his many answers about whether or not he believes that he's going to continue to be with the Cardinals. Again, this was on Friday night prior to the Mo statement. I'm just here to try to help help the team win, and I'm here to help the Cardinals win while I'm here, and I'm going to compete the best I can right now. And uh, whatever happens, happens. You know, I, I, it's hard for me to sit here and speak on some of these things. The Cardinals, you know, those guys are smart up there, and I think they're looking at every way to make this team better. And uh, that's just kind of how I see it. So... I thought it was ridiculous that he had to answer these questions, Alex. And I know that there's been some people on social media that got mad at me because I said it's it's silly that Mo waited so long to put out a statement. It was. I understand the Cardinals' media philosophy on these things. I really do. It makes a lot of sense. If you've got Nolan Gorman or Brendan Donovan or Jordan Walker... Any of these guys in the headlines for potential trade chips, man, that's part of the business. It is. It's different when it's a Hall of Famer. When Nolan Arenado is in the headlines, when Paul Goldschmidt is in the headlines, if Albert Poulos in his prime when he was here the first time around was in the headlines, you shut that stuff down as quick as you possibly can. Because there's no reason to allow it to be in the headlines unless you're actually considering it. And I don't think the Cardinals were ever really considering trading Nolan Arenado. Were they listening? Did they? Did the Dodgers call and say, hey, what would it take for us to trade for Nolan Arenado? And Mo thought to himself, a lot. And then he thought to himself, all right, let's see, let's see how far they're willing to go. Are you guys willing to give up, like, your major league pitchers right now for the, are you, like, Dustin May? Are you willing to talk about him? Uh, Bueller? Like, what are we talking about here? Maybe that's where the conversation headed, and then immediately Mo knew, like, okay, yeah, they're not talking about that, so we're not going to trade him. At that point in time, just say it. Just come out publicly and support your guy. It should not be as hard as it was for the Cardinals. And so I thought they completely mishandled the situation. Credit to Nolan Arenado for handling it as well as he did on Friday night. And honestly, super disappointing by the Cardinals front office that they didn't get more out in front of it. It's uh, somebody texting on our air comfort service text on and said, why does Nolan Arenado love us so much? And frankly, that makes <laughs> a lot of sense. Opting in or opting in and not opting out, keeping the money, sticking with this team and then answering trade requests when it's just an absurd thing to have to do. It's a fair question. And the perfect example I can think of when all of this went down was the Nashville Predators and Barry Trotz. You say Saros, their goaltender, had been in the rumors for, I don't know, like two weeks leading up to the draft. And Barry Trotz stood up in front of all the media and basically said, we're not trading our franchise goaltender if we want to compete anytime soon. And he shut that down immediately. And that's frankly what you should have done with Nolan Arenado. And I understand most comments over the weekend of, well, if I have to answer every trade rumor, then I'm not able to do my job. 
that applies for Nolan Gorman and Brendan Donovan and Tommy Edmond and any of these pitchers that are in the rumor, that does not apply to your two cornerstone players exactly. that you traded for to build a championship team around. When those two players' names get into the rumors, I'm standing up immediately and saying, uh, just so everyone knows, Goldschmidt and Arenado aren't going anywhere because we're competing for 2024. And he said that in a statement. I just... It would have been good to nip that in the bud earlier so you didn't have to sit there and wonder, are they really considering trading him? And then Nolan Arenado having to deal with all of this drama. And frankly, there's been a lot of drama around this Cardinals team this season. The one thing that if I'm John Mosaic, I don't need for the rest of this year going into the trade deadline, going into the offseason is drama surrounding those two players. Because if I'm trying to attract free agents I want the selling point to be Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt love it here. They want you to be a part of this competitive team. But if they're pissed off because their name's in the rumor mill and you're being coy about it, that doesn't work well for your organization. So I'm glad Mo finally said it. I just think it was a couple of weeks too late. Yeah, the part that was also surprising to me about this is the fact of the matter that Mo had not talked to Arenado to the point when he had answered questions because it came out in that statement. And I think Mo even said it yesterday in his press conference that, you know, I have talked with Nolan Arnato along with the statement of we're not training because we want to compete in 2024. Well, Arnato clearly did not get that message because he would have said something in his press availability after that game on Friday or Saturday when it was that he spoke. So that part to me was a little surprising that it, Mo didn't come down to Arnato first before releasing the statement and yeah. did it in a time of the manner to where he says, hey, you're going to hear your name in the trade rumors. That's just going to happen. We're not trading you. You and Gold, you're going to help us in the in 2024 win this division. Arnado clearly had not been given that kind of a statement from Mo because otherwise Arnado would have said that. And that's the part that I find just a little surprising, more so than the the waiting on the statement, is the fact of the matter that he did not go to Arnado like last year when he claims he went to Carlson and told him you're not being traded. And Gorman. And, yeah, and Gorman. I forgot he included Gorman's name in that last year. I'm surprised that Arnado had not had that conversation with John Mozeliak already before he spoke to the media. Yeah, both I think were missteps. I'm not speaking to Nolan Arnado was a misstep. Not putting out a statement earlier to the media, I think, was a misstep. I think we've seen a lot of issues this year with the handling of public relations. <laughs> like, just the easiest part of the job yeah. of just handling stuff appropriately out in the public, getting your fans a message that is clear and coherent from start to finish and having a, a streamlined approach from top to bottom of the organization, it just hasn't been there. Guys, you remember last week, we talked about it. Bill DeWitt III was on uh, the Cardinals radio network, and he was asked a pretty simple question, we thought. Where it's like, hey, is this thing going to be torn down to the studs? Fair question. Should be pretty easy to answer. Because your president of baseball operations said a couple of weeks prior, we're not rebuilding this, we're retooling. The answer should have been just, no, we're not doing that. The answer instead was, well, we'll see what's out there. Why, Why can't you guys just say, no, we're not trading Nolan Arenado? It's super easy to do, guys. You did it. Over the weekend. And it just took so long to do that. It should, I'm not saying they should have put out a statement like three weeks ago. Although that would have been fine by me. <laughs> um, last week at some point. When you start getting this. And certainly on Friday. After the report comes out that the Dodgers are legitimately having interest in Nolan Arenado. And there's been conversations. That, that That's when you got to shut this thing down. So I'm totally with you guys. And I think the, the least that they could have done here was talk to Nolan. Go to Nolan and say, hey, you might have seen the reports. I'm sure your family's heard about them. We should want you to know we're not trading you. You're staying here. We want you to be a part of this thing for the long haul. 
that would have shut this thing down as quick as anything else. And then Nolan could have said that to the media if he wanted to on Friday night. Instead, they didn't talk to anybody. He's Alex Ferrario. That's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. Questions and answers is coming up next. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You've got questions. We may have the answers. Maybe. It's BK and Ferrario's questions and answers on 101 ESPN. 9646 is the air comfort service text line for questions and answers. This one comes from the 314. Guys, what did you think of Aaron Rodgers' comments over the weekend about Sean Payton taking shots at his offensive coordinator? Did you see these? No. Buddy. Aaron Rodgers was on one the other day. So he was on NFL Network after the Jets practice, and they asked him about the comments, if you missed it, over the past week from Sean Payton. Sean Payton basically said, hey, Nathaniel Hackett was incompetent. He was a terrible head coach. Everything that happened last year, the opposite will take place this year. Aaron Rodgers told NFL Network, quote, Nathaniel Hackett is arguably my favorite coach I've ever had in the NFL. I thought it was way out of line, completely inappropriate, and I think he needs to keep my coach's name out of his mouth, end quote. Yikes. I kind of like it. Thought I like Ro- the Sean Payton comments, and I like the Aaron Rodgers comments. I thought, Aaron Rod- that, I thought he was supposed to be a lover, not a fighter. I think it's all kind of ridiculous. Yeah, I like think- Sean Payton did it because he wants to give some confidence to... Um, Russell Wilson. Well, and then he backtracked the next day, Sean Payton yeah. did. He's like, oh, I think I forgot to take my Fox That's hat off. That's the part that I didn't like. Goal case, Sean. And Aaron Rodgers is having his coaches back. Everybody's doing what they should do in this situation. So I actually had no issues with either of them. I, I just, think both are interesting comments, and I liked both of them. Like we're try- It feels like what they're trying to do is do what Kansas City and Cincinnati have been doing in terms of like creating this rivalry and how you got two elite teams that are going to be going head-to-head all season long. I don't think that applies to the Denver Broncos and the New York Jets. I think they're both teams that basically, before you run your mouth, maybe you should actually prove it on the field and I think both teams fall into that category yeah I have more issue with what Sean Payton did than I do with like I I like what Aaron Rodgers did supporting his coach I think Sean Payton went over the line I, th- I think it's one thing to say things will be different this year last year yeah. was a mess but the continuous shots that kept flying at Nathaniel Hackett was a little bit over that's, the line from Sean Payton that's why when he said he's like I forgot to take my Fox analyst hat off like you weren't saying that on Fox television yeah. during a pre or post game Sean kind of liked it 314-399-9646 is the air comfort service x line for questions and answers uh from the 618 guys what is the number one thing you want to see from the cardinals between now and the end of the season like in terms of trade or performance in direction well i'd like to see them trade one or multiple outfielders between now and the end of the season, which is tomorrow, because I don't like this outfield. I think you need to clear the uh, clean the fat, so to speak. Um, And then I'd like to see them call it Mason win. I don't understand why they haven't done that yet, but I guess it's because Paul DeYoung's on this roster. I I think the three, there are like three things for me. I want to see them acquire a starting pitcher that is going to be written in pen for 2024. I think that's a must two i agree with alex i want to see mason win up here and i want to see him getting reps and then number three for me is i i still want to see more from lars newbar he's played better of late but i still want to see more i want to see him play in the final two months 
to where when we end the season, though they won't be playing in October and Lars can go hang out in Cancun, I can I can look at what he did and go, you know what? I finally see what BK's been telling me about. He I mean, is a guy that is a starting outfielder. All we really need to see is the power. Because the batting average and on-base percentage is exactly where you were hoping. Yeah. Batting 275, he's getting on-base 38% of the time. Those are both excellent marks for Lars Newpar. He's slugging 433. If you can get that up into like the 450 range, we're talking about an everyday regular that can bat first, third, put him wherever you want to. That's a guy that can be in the heart of your order. And the Cardinals ended up being right, quote unquote, about him. It's really the power. And over the weekend, we saw him hit a couple of home runs. More of that. that that's probably the biggest thing. Um, I want to see Jordan Walker playing every day. And I want to see him start to get things back on track. He's been struggling a little bit at the plate lately. The defense has not gotten any better. And that is the number one thing that I would like to see the rest of the season. He's got to start taking more steps, guys, defensively specifically. And we'll get into that a little bit more on the other side. We'll also be talking about Mason Wynn, who John Mozeliak had some comments about yesterday. And guys, I'm pre-mad. Alex gets pre-tired sometimes. I'm pre-mad about the way that the Cardinals are going to handle Mason Wynn over the last two months of this season. We'll explain why coming up next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yeah, let me address Mason Wynn. Obviously, uh, he's having a a tremendous year. Um, We're super excited about what we're seeing out of him, but I don't know when that button will be pushed, right? Um, could I imagine seeing him in the big leagues in, in 2023? Yes. The timing of that is I don't know. Does having roster flexibility help in regards to that? Yeah, because I mean, like the last like two weeks, we've been like hamstrung on, on roster decisions. So, you know, freeing up a few spots is certainly a, a, a good thing. Yeah, you know, that 40-man roster, it's just been clogged like crazy. Can, can we take Moises a- Gomez oh, chilling God. on there, Juan Yepes, James Richie Palacios, Jose Fermin, Lucan Baker. Oh, and if you want to go to the pitching side of things, Connor Thomas and all of the contributions we've seen, James Nail, Kyle Leahy, now John King. Like, get out of here, Mo. Who do you think you're j- joking with Will this? King Rodriguez, who still has not pitched a game for this team. Well, he's been hurt. Oh, at least okay. he's, at least least he's on the actual 60-day yeah. IL. He's, he's not even pick, taking up a 40-man spot yeah. right now. So that one, I guess you could understand. No. He's Alex Ferrario. That's Tanner Hendrickson, and I'm Brandon Kiley. That was Mo yesterday when asked about Mason Wynn and whether or not we could see him soon. Alex, I am pre-mad about this because the answer should just be a resounding yes. And I know it is more complicated than I'm about to make it seem. I get that. I really do. But Mason went in the last 90 days is batting 305 in AAA. He's slugging 525. He has an OPS of 900. And it's worth mentioning that the bat is supposed to be the thing that is his weakness. He's not supposed to hit for this kind of power. He has 14 home runs in his last 65 games. He's not supposed to hit for this kind of average 305 average. And he's getting on base 38% of the time. You could ask for nothing more out of Mason Wynn than what he's doing right now down in AAA to get the call up to the big league level. You need a 40-man roster spot, BK. They're probably going to trade Paul DeYoung. And when they do, they should call up Mason Wynn. And he should get everyday opportunities at shortstop. Because why not, man? Why not? 
if he's in your plans for 2023, and I know, or 2024, excuse me, what they would tell me, I'll just play devil's advocate real quick, Alex, because I'm sure that you're probably on my side here because it feels like the opposite. If it's a negative thing, then yeah, probably. What they will say is, well, we need that roster spot in the offseason so that way going into spring training, we have the greatest number of pitchers available to us to try to weed through those things to see who can be a part of our bullpen in 2024. There's some truth to that. I do understand it, I suppose. But Mason Wynn is going to be a part of your plans in 2024. The overwhelming likelihood is he's starting at shortstop on opening day of next year. Maybe. Taylor Motter's been taking reps. I think he's probably the answer at shortstop if they don't bring up Mason Wynn. I'm not kidding either. I'm totally serious. Oh, my God. Well, you can get the number one overall pick. We don't got to watch after August 1st, right? No, you don't. Okay, good. Blue season, baby. So go ahead and just make the call up now, man. (laughs) This is not about his clock. It's not... This is about whether or not he's going to be taking up a 40-man spot. That That's what this conversation will be about. Is it more valuable to get Mason win these opportunities at the big leagues to finish out the season, or is it more valuable to open up that spot on the 40-man roster and keep it open for pitchers that you could add in the offseason? I lean much more heavily to the Mason win side, and here's my biggest reason why, Alex. The opportunities that you get right now, it is the rare, rare chance for the Cardinals to actually develop prospects without the overwhelming sense of pressure. In St. Louis, it is almost always a pressure-packed situation. Jordan Walker has been learning that this year. Nolan Gorman felt it last year. How many prospects has it felt like crumbled because of the weight of the expectations here in St. Louis? You know what? There's nothing the rest of this season? Expectations. There are zero expectations for the Cardinals between August 2nd and the end of the season. So let him just go out there and play, man. It's the same thing that I feel about Jordan Walker right now. Just put him out in right field and play him all nine innings in right field. Don't worry about the defensive replacement because it doesn't matter right now. Get him the opportunities. Get him the reps. Let him see every type of pitcher that he can possibly see in the big league level and let him help his development for 2024. Do it now. So that way he can adjust for 2024. That would be my plan here. Alex, where do you stand? There's no reasoning that you could argue as to why you don't bring him up. And even the, well, we want to make sure we have more roster spots available for pitchers so we can figure that out. Great. But I can go through this list right now and give you about six guys that you don't need on this 40 man roster in terms of just position players so that you could bring Mason win up. And if you do trade Paul DeYoung, there's no reason that spot is just flipped for Mason win. The, the rest of the season should be reps for Mason Wynn because you as a organization need to know is Mason, Wynn, is Mason Wynn ready for the major leagues? Because if he is, then we know that we don't have to worry about the shortstop position or worry about depth and put Tommy Edmond there or figure out who's we're good. But if he struggles for the rest of this season at the shortstop position or maybe just as the offense Now you're getting the reps to find out, okay, are we seeing progress for the final 40, 50 games of the season? Because if we're seeing progress, then the more reps, the better. But if he just looks lost out there and can't handle it, then you can put him back in there and say, nope, he's not ready for this, and we're going to have to figure out how else we're going to handle this. But if you just sit here and say, well, we don't want to clog up our 40, man. We'll keep Mason Wynn down there so that he can figure it out. He's not getting major league reps, so he's going to go through that dry spell that most rookies do at the major league level, and that's going to impact you in 2024 just as much as you want to know if Libertor is ready for the rotation or if any of these bullpen arms are ready for bigger opportunities. 
The same can be said about Mason Wynn. Is he ready for this opportunity? Yeah, I, I want to see him up here because I want him to see what major league pitchers find in his swing so he can adjust in the offseason. Because it's one thing to have like what Walker did where he goes through his struggles and he has to adjust on the fly and the Cardinals basically bailed on that and sent him down to AAA. It's another thing if you can bring Mason Wynn up, to your point, no pressure, playing every day at shortstop, learning at the big league level, and I'm sure he's going to come onto the scene. He's probably going to have a hot streak, but then after a while, pitchers are going to figure out what the hole is in his swing. I want him to have an offseason to kind of work on countering that because it is very tough when you get up here to adjust on the fly. If you have an offseason and can learn, okay, here's how major league pitchers were attacking me, I think that's the best thing for Mason Wynn. And I I don't... He's not going to be able to learn that at AAA because 98% of AAA pitchers can't fully take advantage of holes in your swing. You get to the big leagues, those guys are so good they can hit their spots and and they can get you to swing at stuff that you didn't even know you had a hole in your swing in. So that's why I want to see one up here. It's not it's not about it's about the experience in learning how major league pitching is going to pitch to him, so he has a full off season to adjust to it instead of going into the off season and kind of adjusting to what AAA pitching did to him compared to big league pitching. And somebody on the text line asks, "Hey guys, could you explain exactly why putting Win on the forty man roster would be a problem for the off season? How would that affect the pitching that they're able?" to acquire so the way that this works during the offseason is that the cardinals are able to keep 40 men on the roster and in the offseason the 60 man il the 60 day il they got to figure that stuff out they got to clean this stuff up on the 40 man roster in the offseason so uh, basically you 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 have to be able to keep the 40 guys that you want on that roster and you could carry them into spring training and then by opening day you got to have things ready to go so in the off season, if they can't, and they have to protect guys from the Rule Five draft, there's a bunch of different semantics that go into this. The Cardinals make a lot of it. They they make you think like the 40 man roster is essentially calculus at the highest possible level, and nobody else could understand it the way that the Cardinals do. Whatever. Taylor Motter's been on and off the 40 man roster all year long. James Nail's been on and off the 40 man roster all day, all year long. Jose Fermin was taking up a 40 man roster spot all season. And then was called up for like five days. They saw what he could do at the major league level and they sent him right back down. They found a play, a way to put Palacios on this 40 man roster. No problem. Whenever they traded for him for like a bag of balls from the Cleveland Guardians. So the car, the Cardinals tell you how hard it is to be able to maneuver this thing. And yet their 40 man roster has been maneuvered all year long. The stuff that they're talking about where it's been quote unquote difficult to navigate. That's stuff of their own doing. That's them failing to acquire the necessary pitching in the offseason. If they had found it, they wouldn't be in this place. So I I don't blame the 40-man roster stuff for this. I blame them not getting good enough pitching for it. Their position player side of things has been mostly fine all year. Moises Gomez is on the 40-man roster this year and has never gotten an opportunity despite being basically the player that they thought he was going to be this year down in AAA. So this is on them. I think that it's more than okay for them to be able to bring up Mason Wynn to finish out this season and Alex you asked what I think is the most important question about this is he ready for the big leagues and the answer is we don't know the answer needs to be going into next year we've got a better idea he might not be it's entirely possible that he needs more experience down at the AAA level before he's ready to be an everyday big league hitter let's find out (laughs) let's see what that looks like when these games do not matter Let's see what Jordan Walker's defense can look like by the end of the year if he gets every single inning of work in right field the rest of the way other than days where he legitimately needs an off day. Stop doing this thing where you have him as a defensive replacement. It's ridiculous. These games don't matter. It's over. The season stinks. It's done. 
they have already started sending off players. You have you have waved the white flag. Now it is about development. Mason Wynn is a top priority. Jordan Walker is a top priority. Go ahead and let us see what that looks like the rest of the way. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, we're talking prospects with J.J. Cooper of Baseball America. But next, Alex, it is time for the Major League Baseball trade deadline. Roundup, boy, yeah. howdy, yeah! On 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. my favorite thing we've ever done on the show i can't wait to repeat it after the trade deadline tuesday is great in the off seasons don't get me wrong those are really fun this is my favorite thing because i've never seen alex more excited about anything on radio if there's one thing if there's one thing i love more than anything it's my wife it's my kids and then it's western (laughs) stick them up t-bone I just need any better sound effects. I don't. No. I think these are the best. Stick draw, right, little let's team. Let's get to our Major League Baseball <laughs> trade deadline roundup here on 101 ESPN. It's pretty good. Let's start out with Bob Nightingale's report from earlier today. I know some of you guys don't like Bob Nightingale, but Sheriff Bobby. here's his report from USA Today. It says the Cardinals are entertaining offers on outfielder Dylan Carlson and infielder Tommy Edmond, Brandon Donovan, and Paul DeYoung. Alex, what do you make of that? Are you surprised at all? No, not surprised. And if I know Bob Nightingale, his sources are legit. And if they're listening on offers for those three guys, that tells me that they're trying to acquire that number two for a rotation next year. Young, controllable, uh, major league ready arm for 2024. If those guys' names are out there, you're trying to get the best return possible. So I'm glad to hear this, but not surprised. I'm a little surprised because I thought they would keep Donovan as an untouchable. I thought they'd keep kind of Tommy Emmett as an untouchable because I think they view him as their everyday center fielder. In fact, I think he's playing center field tonight in uh, Memphis, or he played center field last night. Is Memphis off again like the last time we did they this? They are off again. That's why I had to correct myself <laughs> the moment I said it. I know he played center field on his rehab assignment, so I'm a little surprised to hear that those names are on the market, but I think Alex is right. I think the reason they're on the market, quote-unquote, is because they're looking to try and get a number two, and they realize they couldn't get it for the bag of balls and Paul DeYoung they were trying to give away. Yeah, I'm with you guys. Uh, I th- I think that I can add one more onto this list. I think Nolan Gorman has not been mentioned as an untouchable in other conversations that we've seen from Cardinals beat writers. I know nobody in our audience wants to hear it, and I don't want to say it, but I think Nolan Gorman is another player that you could add to this list. I don't think they're just going to give him away. But if that's the piece that it takes to get a legit number one or two starter in your rotation, I think the Cardinals, just like they did their due diligence for Nolan Arenado, I think they would have to do the same thing for Nolan Gorman. All right, going around Major League Baseball, Justin Verlander, apparently in the trade talks, which makes sense because the the Mets had already uh, traded Max Scherzer. Now they are listening to offers on Justin Verlander. Alex, if you had to make a prediction on where Verlander lands at the deadline, where do you think it is? Houston or Atlanta? Houston, because, well, I mean, he's been there before. Atlanta, I think I just saw a report from our guy Morosi saying that they're expected to get freed back. Uh, Wright is expected back sooner rather than later, but they're still looking for that top end or that difference maker to add to their rotation. Welcome in Justin Verlander. You've got experience to add to a group of already experienced guys. I could absolutely see the Atlanta Braves going all in for that. 
I think Dodgers. I think the Dodgers are the team that's mostly being connected now. I've not, though Houston makes a ton of sense, I've not really heard that one become kind of hot and heavy. So I saw a piece earlier today, I think it was on The Athletic, where the beat writer basically said, hey, who's in charge right now? Is it the GM? Is it the owner? Because we heard last year the owner was the one that nixed the deal that would have oh, took the Jerry the, Jones special. Would have took Wilson Contreras down to Houston. I think this is going to be one where the ownership gets involved. And it comes down to whether or not they want Justin Verlander to be a part of those things. Because we've seen the Mets are willing to pay down that contract. It's not going to be a money problem for them. It's going to be about whether or not they're willing to give up the significant prospects to get Justin Verlander. I think it ends up being Houston. I think because their ownership situation gets involved, Justin Verlander is a Houston Astro prior to this year's deadline. Your one moment. It's your segment, man. I was, right. I was just thinking. Next piece of news in the trade deadline roundup. <laughs> Guys, the Chicago Cubs, the Cardinals made them into buyers. Uh, that's the way to do it. Can I be honest? This is Good. best case scenario yeah, for the Cardinals. That's great. Best case scenario because they are preventing themselves from getting future assets for a team that, let's be honest, is not competing for anything meaningful this year. This is not a team that's going to go to the World Series or anything, but they have taken Cody Bellinger off the market, and it sounds like they've taken Marcus Stroman off of the market as well. What do you guys think they are going to be this year? Like, when we do get to the postseason, do you think that they are a part of it, and do you think they have any chance to do anything meaningful there? I do not. I don't either. Um... I don't even know if they got a chance to make the playoffs. Like, I think they will not make the playoffs. I was going to say, I know they're they're within striking distance, but I don't know if that really matters to the Chicago Cubs because yeah, you won two of or you won six of eight against the Cardinals in this recent stretch, but that's against the Cardinals. And if you're the Cubs, they went into that series against the Cardinals really struggling, and you're probably going to feel that again. So you might make the worst decision possible in terms of not trading Stroman and Bellinger and then just middling it out the rest of the season and missing the playoffs. But, hey, more power to you, Cubs. Yeah, I don't think they're making the playoffs, and I even if they did, they may have a shot to, like, win the wild card round, but that's just because they're going to throw out Strowman and Steele in the, in the first round. So yeah, it's a three-game series, so whatever. Yeah, Some anything can happen, happens. as we've learned here in St. Louis. That um, rule doesn't apply but to no, I, I would I would trade Bellinger. I would trade Strowman while those guys, especially Strowman. What I don't understand about the Strowman thing is they've, like, said, yeah, we're not going to do a contract extension. Read the, <laughs> this guy's opting out. Read the rule. It's like a Cardinals move. Yeah. They, they should extend Bellinger, though. Yeah, I agree. He's I been a great fit They there. shouldn't, and then the Cardinals should go, should go sign him in the offseason, like he, I said last offseason. He has been so much better for them than I expected. You were 100% right on that, Alex. I was all offseason saying, this is Paul DeYoung, but left-handed. Why do you guys want him? Well, Paul DeYoung's had a good season. Cody Bellinger's had a legitimately great season. He's going to get MVP votes. Yeah. Like, not to win it, but he'll be in the top 10 finishers this yeah, year, and he'll deserve it. having Cody Bellinger in your outfield right now. We're not complaining I, about who's playing center field I for this team, are we? Nice. I, I don't know how we'd make it work. This log yeah, jam, I tell you what. That 40-man roster, you weren't getting right, him on. Let's get out of here on this. Let's dance! Come on, man. Keep are the Angels it. trying to be the Braves of 21? Is that what we're seeing here? Because so far at the deadline, they've added Randall Grichik, CJ Crone, Lucas Giolito, Reynaldo Lopez, Eduardo Escobar, Mike Moustakis. That's six <sighs> men of their 26-man roster coming via the trade deadline. Man, how do they do that with a 40-man roster crunch? I don't know. I, guys, are they, gonna be, are they trying right now to follow the Braves' blueprint of basically reestablishing themselves as contenders at the deadline? Yeah, and I, I like it. Like, you're making a bold decision doing this with Otani and not trading him off, but in that bold decision, you're throwing everything you've got to make this team a 
World Series contender. And if you get in and you have Shohei Otani and Mike Trout's back and you add all of these pieces, frankly, they're beating the market in terms of buying all of these pieces before other teams can. I don't know if they're good pieces. But well, they might not be, but them. you're buying them. I, I just I like them being bold with it. But the problem is, if you're this bold and you miss or lose in the first round, then, well, welcome to being awful for the next 10 and years. they're going to be awful for the next 10 years either way. It's yeah. the Angels. So I, I, I love Might it. as well I go win a World Series. And I like that they're going after, like, mid, mid-tier mid guys. That's what the Braves did in 21. It wasn't like they went out and got the top of the market players. They got Jock Peterson, who's a really nice lefty bat. They got Eddie Rosario, who's a contact hitter. Like, they... They got Duvall. They went out there and just got really solid players that can fill out their roster. I think that's what the Angels are trying to do, and I hope they continue adding even more prior to tomorrow's headline. Yeah, I I think they're trying to be the Braves, but I'm terrified it's not going to work for them. And and I was one of those that was, hey, trade Otani because you shouldn't be doing this. Going all in on a team that is, what are they, four games back in the wild card, five games back in the division. All in. Not a fan. 16 showing in blackjack. You've got a four all in. He's Alex Rario. That's Tanner Hendrickson. And I'm Brandon Kylie. JJ Cooper is the editor in chief of Baseball America. He knows prospects as well as anybody. What did he think of the haul that the Cardinals got yesterday? We'll ask him next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Tanner Hendrickson and I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. So the Cardinals made some big moves yesterday, sending Jordan Montgomery and Chris Stratton down to Texas for three prospects, really two prospects and a major league arm that was thrown in. And then Jordan Hicks went up to Toronto for two pitching prospects as well. And Alex, we're not going to be phonies. We're not going to be frauds. Uh, We're not out here watching a whole lot of Texas Rangers or Toronto Blue Jays minor league film. So we go to the people that do. That's J.J. Cooper. He's the editor-in-chief of Baseball America. He joins us now here on the show. Uh, J.J., we appreciate the time as always and what I know is a crazy busy time for you guys over at Baseball America. Let's start with this. When you saw the returns that the Cardinals got yesterday in the Montgomery and the Hicks deal, your reaction was what? Solid returns. Um, basically, and this sounds really boring nowadays, but a lot of times on these moves, it's this is not what we used to have. Like, I started Baseball America in 2002, and at that time, there would be there was less information out there for one, but there would be trades where you go, okay, I get this for one team, I don't get it for the other. Nowadays, I feel like a lot of teams are kind of off of a more similar uh, – they're, they're, the, the valuations of these players is more similar than it used to be. And so a lot of these moves happen, and you look at it and you say, yeah, that makes sense. And I would say in both of these cases, yeah, these make sense. These are among the better returns that we've seen on trade so far. But those were that's partly because the players that the Cardinals gave up, they're both rentals, but they're among the better available players in positions of demand. The average reliever isn't all that valuable at the deadline as a rental. But if you have a guy who can be that eighth, ninth inning guy, Jordan Hicks can be that, that has value. Starting pitchers always command a higher premium at the trade deadline. And Jordan Montgomery is quite simply one of the more durable and reliable starters who is available 
So I'm not surprised that they got a pretty solid return. JJ, the the one thing that John Mozeliak talked about going into this trade deadline was pitching, 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 and making upgrades there. Do you making upgrades? I should say for 2024. Do you feel like the Cardinals got that in both of these trades? No, and that's nothing against these trades, but like that's asking a lot, right? Okay, they were probably going to lose Montgomery anyway, but Montgomery is. <laughs> At the end of the day, you know, maybe he's a number four. You could argue he's a number three. But this is a guy who's on pace to make 30 starts for a third straight season who has basically time in and time out is pretty reliable in addition to being durable. He doesn't – he's not one of those guys who gives you a great outing and then gets blown out of the – you know, knocked out in the second the next time up. He pretty much goes out there and and generally is going to give you a solid outing I, I, it's, it's asking a lot to expect that any of these three, you know, the pitchers that they pick up here are going to be able to do that next year. That's not, these aren't top, this isn't a Grayson Rodriguez. This isn't a, you know, a, a top of the top hundred, uh, prospects that they got back. These are guys who have a chance. And I say in all three cases, Clawson, Roby, Reversi, all have a chance. But if, one of these guys ends up being a useful big league starter. If one of these guys ends up being a useful big league reliever, and one of them basically ends up an up and down guy who who doesn't really make an impact, that would be more kind of track for the the level of prospect they are more so than oh these guys are all going to step in and, and help next year and help significantly next year. So Roby is the guy that feels to me, and you're the expert on this, so I'll certainly defer mm-hmm. to your opinion on it, but he feels like the high upside piece among the pitchers that they yeah. acquired yesterday. I- I've been thinking yeah. just from our perspective as Cardinals people, right? We we know Gordon Graceffo in the Cardinals system. Is that kind of the level of prospects that we're talking about with him? It's funny. Uh, Jeff Ponce does our uh, Cardinals list, and he does our Blue Jays list, and when we were talking about these guys, he's saying, like, that's kind of where he sees kind of yeah, around that range. I would probably take Recepo, but around that range. But the key thing with Roby that we want to see is he had a, an elbow, a minor elbow injury in, in 21, and, and now he's had a, a shoulder issue in 23. So there is an aspect of this where you just want to see him stay healthy. Um, but if he is, it is a power arm. It's a guy who's not – you know, four steps away. And it's kind of like, and he's a guy who has a wide array of pitches. It's, you know, command and control are always going to be kind of the key questions about a guy being able to be a starter. But if he continues to improve that, this is a guy who could be a power, you know, a, a, a starter with some swing and disability. And obviously that's, I would say that that is the high upside here. <laughs> J.J. Cooper is our guest here on 101 ESPN. You find his work over at Baseball America, where he is the editor-in-chief. You should be checking out all the stuff that they're putting out around this time of the year, especially as the Cardinals, for the first time in 20 years, are legitimate sellers at the deadline. So we're going to have to read into some of these prospects over the coming days and weeks. Uh, J.J., one of the guys that Cardinals fans certainly have been excited about is the one position player that they were able to get in return for Montgomery and Stratton in this deal. It's Thomas, and I'm going to try to pronounce this last name, Sujasi. Sujasi? Sugazi. Sugazi is, I believe, how it's pronounced. Now, I say this, I've asked people, but at the same time, I am terrible about pronunciation. But Sugazi. <laughs> okay, so we're on the same page here in terms of the pronunciation. Yeah. 
what are the Cardinals getting in him? Tell us a little bit about this player and how the Cardinals were able to get him, what he projects to be. He, to me, of all the guys they got yesterday, is the one I am kind of most comfortable is is going to have some sort of MLB role. Now, I think all these guys have a pretty good shot to have MLB roles, but Sudeis is going to hit. And what's the most important thing you can do as a, as a position player? You start with, can you hit? Now, he can hit, and he's hit everywhere he's gone, and he keeps getting better as a hitter. You know, he's done it double A this year. I don't think that he's ever going to be a, 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 a defensive asset. The question is going to be, can he be a second baseman or a third baseman who's, you know, who's average? And I, I give the Cardinals credit on this. This is something that they've generally done a good job of, which is they'll take a guy who can hit, and then they'll help him improve his defense. They've done this time in, time out. If you can do that with Segesi, then you really are talking about potential regular. The, the hands work really well. He's just a, a pure hitter, and, and it's not like he's a slap hitter either. He's a guy who makes a lot of contact, but also can you know drive the ball, gap power especially. And when you say, well, how did they end up with them? This is a case of take advantage of another team surplus, right? Which is, I, as much as I just described him and I, and I like Segesi, he wasn't going to play for Texas, right? He's not moving Corey Seager, who signed for forever. He's not moving Marcus Simeon, who signed for forever. He's not moving Josh Young, who is, you know, a, a rookie of the year candidate at third base. And then you say, okay, well, what about if one of those guys gets hurt? Well, they also have Duran. They also have Josh Smith. Like, they had a surplus of infielders at the upper levels. They still have a little bit. They have the Justin Foskey sitting at AAA as well. So the Cardinals were able to take advantage of, a, you know, of another team's surplus where if the Rangers didn't have any middle infielders, maybe they'd be a little bit less uh, willing to, to part with a, a guy like Segesi. But because he's really probably their fourth or fifth option in the upper minors and majors, okay, well, then he's available. And I, he goes to the Cardinals, and I'm not saying he immediately becomes the Cardinals' like answer at second base or third base, but he is a guy who, again, depending on how things go, the Cardinals are kind of uh, you know relatively well-suited in those positions. But he is a guy who I think by sometime in 24 could be uh, competing for a big league job and you know, if the opportunity arises, could be a regular late next year or, or the year after. Well, speaking of, of surplus there, J.J., for the Cardinals, uh, you mentioned it, the infielders. They've got Nolan Gorman and Brennan Donovan and Tommy Edmond and Mason Wynn coming up, and now they add this player. Uh, maybe not so much could you see a trade for the Cardinals moving one of those guys, whether it be the trade deadline or the offseason, but if they were to move a Gorman or a Wynn or a Donovan, do you see that being a mistake for the Cardinals? See, I look at those as very different, right? Like, if you trade Mason Wynn, you're trading a true shortstop, right? None of these other guys we're talking about are that. So I kind of look at Wynn as, again, this is – it would not shock me if Wynn is the Cardinal shortstop of the, of the long term. It makes a lot of sense, right? He's having a great year at AAA. This, that's a true shortstop. Arenado is kind of in a category of his own, right? Like, if you're trading him, then it becomes a question of, okay, are you looking at this as kind of a, a longer-term rebuild, right? Like, I, I know that there possibly are moves that can be made where 
you can get better by trading a star. But usually if you trade the star in a, in a trade, it, it's, it's tough to win that deal. And, and we obviously see an example of that. You know, if you're a Rockies fan and you say, well, what do you think of the return you got when the Cardinals traded for Nolan Arenado? I think you'd look pretty frustratedly at that right now. And, and even with a Gorman, like, I struggle right now to see where are you getting the best value for him as you're trading him right now, or, you know, he's still young. He's still cost controlled for a number of years. Is it something where, is he a building block or is he a guy that, that helps you get a building block? And I think a lot of that depends on, do the Cardinals think that this was a, a bad, you know, an aberrant, an aberrant bad year, or is this something where, Oh, this is a, a bigger rebuild that needs to take place. J.J. Cooper is our guest here on 101 ESPN. Always appreciate his time joining us here on 101 ESPN. J.J., final question. We'll get you out of here on this one. Uh, Mm -hmm. Jordan Walker is a player that Cardinals fans are very excited about, to say the least. But the defense in right field so far this season has been really rough, to say the least. He Mm -hmm. is a very new player to the position. He was not moved there until uh, basically August of last year. When you have seen in the minors players make that adjustment to the outfield, especially at his age, he's just 21 years old, how long do you typically give them before saying, you know what, it's probably just not going to work? It kind of depends situation by situation because it it really depends a lot to me on what are the issues, right? Because there are things that you can improve, reads, routes. That's the issue. there are things you can't. (laughs) Right. So I'm saying that's improvable, right? If you say, you know, the guy got a perfect jump, the guy got a great read, he took a good route, he just couldn't get there because he's just his feet, he just doesn't have the foot speed, well, you're not going to be able to do anything about that, right? You can position the guy a little better. Reads and routes, reads and routes, I do think it's, it's way too soon to say, like, okay, again, you're, you're never going to get a gold glover out there probably, but like you said, this is a guy who – not just he's still new to the position, he's new to the position, and throw on top of that, he's doing his on-the-job training while also facing the challenge of, of trying to become a better hitter at the big league level as well. So he's had a lot on his plate this year. Obviously, that's got to be a big, big, big to-do item going forward. And I would say if at this time next year you're saying, you know, you haven't seen a whole lot of improvement on it, well, then you're looking at it and saying, is this the first baseman, you know, of the future, post-Goldschmidt era, you know, and things like that? Or, you know, is it somewhere else? But I do think it's probably too soon right now when you're talking about someone who's as young as he is, who's as new to the position as he is. I, 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 I think of other examples. And it's like sometimes it does take two or three years, you know, because you, you have to kind of flip that switch and you, you just need a lot of fly balls. You just need a lot of chances to get that understanding of, okay, I've seen this before. He hasn't seen all this before from that angle. He's J.J. Cooper. You find their great work over at Baseball America. Also follow him on Twitter at JJCoop36. JJCoop36 is where you can find him on Twitter. J.J., appreciate the time, man. I know it's crazy busy for you right now. Hopefully we'll talk with you again soon if the Cardinals continue making some more of these trades. Sounds good. You got it. That's J.J. Cooper, editor-in-chief of Baseball America, joining us here on 101 ESPN. That last thing that he said there, Alex, about um, 
what what he's seen so far from Jordan Walker and what it's going to take for him to get better in the outfield. It's why I mentioned this a little bit earlier, and we saw it over the weekend. The Cardinals have to stop replacing him as a late-inning defensive guy. I know he is a liability out there. I get it. You want to win these games as often as you can. And I understand Ollie as a manager. His first instinct is do whatever you can every day to win the game. I get it. Stop. That is no longer the priority. The priority now is development. The priority is to get Jordan Walker as good at defense as quickly as you can. And as JJ just said, you have to get him reps. And maybe that means in those three innings, seventh, eighth, and ninth, you get him one extra fly ball that he gets to judge. Man, over the course of the last 50 games, maybe that means 50 extra opportunities for him to be able to make a play. I think that's worthwhile. So for me, go ahead and leave him in for those opportunities. Yeah, as much as it's about reps, it's also about confidence. Sure. And how do you expect to grow confidence for a guy who has struggled in the outfield this season, once or is expected to be a future outfielder for your team? How do you build confidence when you know that come the fifth inning, if my team's in a close game, they're going to pull me out? That's going to affect you in the outfield because you're going to try and do too much so make, to make sure you don't make mistakes, which is going to cause mistakes. And then it's going to affect you in the batter's box because you're overthinking that. Well, if I don't hit and my defense isn't good, well, now I'm not going to play. That's the mental side of this game, which is so difficult. And we hear from former athletes and current athletes say all the time, take that out of the way. Stop making this guy doubt himself. Let him figure it out for the rest of this season because guess what? You lose, not going to make a difference. You're winning, not going to make a difference. You're still selling off all of these pieces. Sell them off and let these guys be the everyday player in their position. The other thing that he spends a lot of time talking about there, of course, was the returns for the Cardinals that they got in the deals yesterday. T-Bone, what was your biggest uh, reaction, your biggest thing that you took from our conversation with J.J. Cooper on the returns that the Cardinals got yesterday? I, I will say it was better to hear that he said that the injuries that the pitcher Roby dealt with were minor and that yep. he's a guy that's got swing and miss stuff that can come to the table. And then also the fact of the matter that the Sigacy kid that they acquired is someone that could be up at the major league level next year helping them. And that's the big thing for me is if they truly believe that, that he could be a guy that comes up like uh, in May of next year, kind of like I think that's when Donovan came up last year for the Cardinals. If he can kind of come up and be kind of that role and you can teach him defense, then I, I look at that and I say, okay, that might mean that the Cardinals truly view someone as a Gorman or a Donovan as being a trade chip. Whether that's at this deadline or in the offseason, it certainly sounds like that might be the way that they're starting to go is acquire this guy to fill the void of one of those two. So he's not the same player as the guy that I'm about to mention, but I wonder if there's some Jed Jerko to his game where he can kind of play wherever you need him to on any given day. He's never going to be like a great player. But like Jed Jerko was a slightly above league average hitter for the Cardinals. He was about 10% above league average. Uh, could, again, fill in wherever you needed him to. I don't know that he's going to have the pop that Jerko had in 2016 for the Cardinals when he hit 30 home runs for them. But every other year of his career, he was like 10 to 20, typically. So I, I wonder if you see some of that out of, uh, out of the kid that they got, a little T from the Rangers. The other thing that he said there about the pitching side of things was if you end up getting one starter – one reliever and one guy that just kind of plays the like, up and down shuttle. Yeah, the basically Zach Thompson role of 
he gives you some promise and then he looks terrible and then he gets sent down. He shows some promise and then he looks bad and then he goes back down. That would be a pretty reasonable return from these guys in terms of what you're expecting out of them in the long haul. So uh, good stuff from J.J. Cooper. If you missed any of it, check it out on the podcast page, 101ESPN.com, and the free 101ESPN app is where you go to find it. Coming up in 10 minutes, we'll talk to Katie Wu, Cardinals insider for The Athletic. But next, Alex has a story for us in the juncture here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's open it up. The Junk Drawer with BK and Ferrario. Brought to you by Fenton Bar and Grill. Best trashed wings in Missouri. Dine in. Carry out. Seven days a week. Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Alex has a junk drawer story for us today. We'll be jo- joined by Katie Wu in about five minutes. Alex, what do you got for us today? All right, guys, I'm going to paint you a scenario and you tell me what you do with it. Someone hands you $20,000. You do what? Obviously invest it. No, in all seriousness, uh, I probably put it in a college fund for uh, baby Luca. Okay, now let's say you're living frivolously and you spend oh, okay. it. What do you spend it on? Oh, good question. I'm going traveling. I'd go party in Miami. Yeah, I'm probably going... <laughs> Uh, Sorry, I just image of Taylor in a Hawaiian shirt and a hat trying to meet people. I would love to go to Europe and just spend like a month in Europe. Okay. That's a good idea. Yeah. Well, none of this is what I had expected because there's a gentleman in the Netherlands who had in Europe $15,000 and well, he spent it on being a dog. And what I mean by that is he bought a human sized dog suit and now considers himself $15,000 on a dog suit that now he considers himself a border collie and is living that life. So his wife is now his master and he runs around in his border collie suit, man. I'm not into this and pretends to be a dog. Anybody else how to live. You can do. Yeah, no kink shaming, man. Do whatever you want to do, whatever it is that makes you happy. You go out there and you do that. Here's a picture of the dog suit. I saw this on This looks real. And for people on YouTube, I'll show you a picture of it. This it's a fifteen thousand dollar border collie dog suit. That's worth fifteen grand because I would if I saw that on the street, I would assume that's a that's a dog. Have you seen the video of him walking in it? it, Yeah. Then it doesn't look like that. Why would you want to do this? You're walking around on all fours. Man, people are Don't kink shame, man. Don't kink I know, shame. that's what I'm saying. Like, people do but a lot of stuff that I don't understand. Let's take the kink out of this. Maybe he just really wants to be a dog. Okay. Why? Are you kidding Being me? Being a dog seems like a really great life. I yeah. leave every day. Yeah, but like, you're still a human. That's the problem. <laughs> like, you're still a human. My dog does the same thing every day, and it, it looks like it's pretty enjoyable. Yeah, but you're still a human. I don't think as a dog I'd like to pee in when the I, backyard. I'd I like to do that in a toilet. It doesn't seem that bad. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it doesn't. I don't know, man. My dog. I mean, the only my, responsibility my dog, you have is... Make sure that my owner knows I go outside to go to the bathroom, yeah. and that's about it. Yeah, but my dog. And tell them when I'm hungry. My dog, man, when I don't cut the grass and the grass is high, that's got to be uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, definitely. And but sometimes you, you don't pick up the dog poop all the time, so it's just like going in a toilet that's been up and flushed. I don't think they do mind because it's a pretty big toilet. No, my dog minds. He gives me I mean, kind of the FU look when he's out there. You remember going to Old Bush Stadium where you had the troughs? Oh, no. I, go you may have remembered going to Old Bush Stadium. Me, on the other hand, would say, I'm going home because I got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Touche, well played. Sir, that's basically going outside. <laughs> Coming up next, Katie Wu on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kylie. Always happy to be joined by Katie Wu for our weekly Monday conversation. She's the Cardinals insider for The Athletic. You can find her work over there, breaking down the Cardinals' trades from the weekend. You can also find her on Twitter, at Katie J. Wu. Katie, a lot going on over the weekend for the St. Louis Cardinals. How are you doing today? Yeah, a lot going on at the moment, guys, but I am doing well. I'm just sitting here refreshing all of my tabs about every 30 seconds. It's a very healthy way to spend a Monday. How are you? Ah, the life of the trade deadline, Katie. You just don't move from the computer screen for 48 hours, and then afterwards you could be like BK and complain about how his eyes hurt. Well, he needs to get some Blu-ray glasses. I I've been rocking him. mine. I don't do that oh, anymore. He's That's got them, why Katie. I got Because he wears them. He's like, man, i got to put my glasses on. My oh, eyes hurt oh, from boy. staring at the screen all day. <laughs> hey, you know you gotta do what you gotta do, but that's a really good, it's uh, a really good reenactment. You yeah, guys. thanks. I, I've nailed the BK impersonation. Appreciate both of you for all of the kind words. All right, Katie, let's get into what the Cardinals decided to do yesterday. Uh, When you saw that the Cardinals were trading Jordan Montgomery and Chris Stratton down to Texas and then that Jordan Hicks was going up to Toronto, I'm guessing for you, like for us, there wasn't a lot of shock in the, the guys that are pending free agents going elsewhere. But when you saw the return, what stood out to you? Yeah, no, not a lot of surprise there with the names. I mean, this pretty much is on par for what John Mozeliak described would happen. They're trading away expiring contracts, soon-to-be free agents. These were the names we expected to go and the names we expected to go first. A pretty good indication that Jordan Hicks was about to be traded was I was looking at the bullpen in the fourth inning through my binoculars like a totally normal person. (laughs) And there was no Jordan Hicks. And, uh, you know, rumors had been spreading in the morning that he was on his way out. And I kind of thought that Jordan Hicks would be the first to go. So not at all surprised that they both left yesterday. Would have appreciated more than 20 minutes notice between the trades. But, you know, that's what makes it fun. Um, the returns, I think, were about what you could expect for uh, rental pieces. I mean, all three of those guys, Hicks, Montgomery, and Chris Stratton, are going to be free agents at the end of the year. Like we know, you're not going to land this top prospect in the organization for rental, no matter how talented the rental is. That's just the way the selling market works. I thought what the Cardinals did was about what they could get. Um, You're looking at these names. By the way, um, if there's an award for names most difficult to announce as acquisitions, the Cardinals are going to win it. So bear with me because I'm still figuring out how to say these names correctly. But when you're looking at what the Cardinals got for the Blue Jays, I know that Kloppenstein isn't a top prospect in the organization, but he has a high swing and miss. All of the pitching prospects they acquired do have that trait And that's something that the Cardinals don't have in their farm system. So when you're looking at returns for rentals, what you can expect are upper level but not top prospects in return. And the Cardinals identified some really exciting arms that seem to slot right into what they want in terms of pitching talent that could be ready in 2024. I thought, again, what Mo was able to get for these players was pretty par for the course in terms of bolstering his farm system. Katie, we saw the Cardinals package uh, bullpen arm with Jordan Montgomery. Are you expecting some type of type of package with Jack Flaherty before tomorrow? I would think so, just because I think that's what you're going to have to do to get the most value. If we're following John Mazalock's trends throughout you know, what he's already set, the next guys to go are going to be the only guys left with expiring contracts. That would be Jack Flaherty and Paul DeYoung. Yes, DeYoung has that team option for $12.5 million in 2024, but given where the organization is and Mason wins and pending arrival, it is very unlikely the Cardinals pick up that option. So I could see the Cardinals being packaging DeYoung with Flaherty, assuming a team that 
is, is interested in Flaherty needs middle infield depth. You know, I'm just speculating here, but the Giants could be one of those teams. They need rotation help. They could also use some middle infield help. That seems like a likely package. Now, if you're looking for a team such as Baltimore that may not necessarily need middle infield, then you're looking for relief pitching. And that's where I think you could see someone that's under a little bit more team control, uh, someone like a Giovanni Gallegos or a Ryan Helsley go as well, because those are valuable arms that are going to boost your return. Uh, Mode pretty much said he expects more moves to be made before the August 1st deadline, which I believe is 5 p.m. in St. Louis, but who is counting? Um <laughs> And he did not rule out anyone except the guys he did previously rule out, namely Nolan Arenado, being on the training block. So we will see. But one thing I do expect, guys, going forward is that the Cardinals will make at least one more move. So, Katie, let's stick on that vein of, of thought uh, here for a moment. The Cardinals did not acquire anybody yesterday, at least from the analysts' perspective that know a lot more about this than we do that is expected to slot into the rotation on opening day of 2024. And that was never the expectation in these moves for the pending free agents to do so probably requires giving up cost controlled position players. Do you anticipate the Cardinals making one of those moves prior to the deadline? Yes. Or tomorrow. I would be really surprised, but I'm really glad you brought this up because I think as we all navigate the selling market for the first time, some of us for the first time ever, some of us for the first time in a long time, we should reiterate what the expectations are. Yes, none of these names are like penned in to the rotation in 2024. Mo said as such, you know, as of today, they still have two starters slated in Miles Michaels and Steven Matz for 2024. But with Reverse and Kloppenstein, I'm almost positive I said that right. Um, who are going to be assigned to AAA and could be available as early as tomorrow. Um, these are guys that are going to compete for playing time in 2024. Those uh, rotation acquisitions are most likely going to come in the winter. And Mo said this a couple weeks ago. They're not addressing every single one of their needs this trade deadline. When August 1st, 5 o'clock hits, that roster is not going to be a completely finished product that they expect to contend with in 2024. There is just no reality where that happens. What this trade deadline is, is offloading some talent, freeing up some salary money, looking to see what pieces they're going to part with and what they'll need to replace in the offseason, bolstering the farm system because they desperately needed to do that, especially in the upper levels from a pitching perspective, and then moving forward to seeing what they can do in the offseason. I expect most of the heavy lifting to make this club a contending team in 2024 to happen over the winter. Now, fans can absolutely have their skepticism of what that will look like because, as Mozeliak also said, exploring free agency, they're going to have to do. They can't just fix this with trades. And we know Mo's recent track record in free agency isn't the best. So I understand fan skepticism here. But I do want to reiterate that what we're seeing at the deadline is not going to be those like big blockbuster names coming back to the Cardinals that are going to make this team you know, what they believe to be contenders next year. We're seeing them address every area of the roster that will help them comprehensively be ready in 2024. It starts with bolstering the farm system. Katie, I'm one of those skeptics going into that offseason with those those big moves by the team. And I think the bigger piece of the skepticism for me is that the Cardinals are going to be unwilling to move on from a Donovan or a Gorman or a Nupar because they feel they need that for 2024 do you see the Cardinals getting to that uncomfortable point? Absolutely. I think they have some really tough decisions to make in the offseason. I think this trade deadline is actually relative, relatively easy for them to approach because they can just look at their expiring contracts, the soon-to-be free agents, 
and say, okay, well, unfortunately, it is time that we part with Jordan Hicks. It is time that we go part with Jordan Montgomery, Flaherty, DeYoung, probably those names as well. But over the offseason, if the Cardinals want to land, uh, you know, make a huge splash and get one of those number ones or number twos for their rotation, that's going to require parting with talent. They really don't want to. And when you look at the upsides of Brendan Donovan, Lars Newbar, Nolan Gorman, especially that power from the left side, you understand why they don't want to part with those guys. But that might be something they're going to have to do. Now, the alternative to that is spending. It's not like the Cardinals have spent a lot of money in the offseason on free agency. I know they like to operate as a small market team, but they certainly have the resources to do so. To me, it makes the most sense to go spend some of that money. Now, that would be completely uncharacteristic for the Cardinals, but this has been a completely uncharacteristic season in St. Louis. And sometimes desperate events call for desperate measures. So I could see the spending increasing, or at least it should be considered very heavily, because if the Cardinals want to compete in 2024, they've made it very clear that they believe their current core will help them do that. If they're not willing to part with these pieces, they better be willing to spend or you're going to risk this exact same season happening all over again. All right, Katie, I've got two final questions for you. I think both can be handled relatively quickly here. Katie was our guest here on 101 ESPN. What are you hearing on Dylan Carlson? What are your expectations for him over the next 24, 28 hours, I guess? I think Carlson's one of those names that the Cardinals could be convinced to part with just because of that, that log jam in the outfield that we've talked about, I don't know, all season. Um, (laughs) Yes, he does have team control, and the Cardinals don't really want to part with that. But, again, when you look at their outfield and their reluctance, their reluctance to part with Tyler O'Neill at this time, it makes sense that Carlson is the next name in line. However, I'm not quite sure what the selling market will covet for Dylan. Yes, he has team control. Yes, he's only 24. Uh, and, yes, he has. I don't think they've even touched the ceiling of what he could do here in St. Louis. But currently, as he is right now, He's a fourth outfielder and a platoon player. That's how he's being perceived on the market. I'm not sure what contending teams are willing to pay for that. I can see them going the Tyler O'Neill approach and trying to find ways for him to play every day or as frequently as possible. I don't know, again, how feasible that is because it's the same problem they've been having all year, but trying to build up his trade value that way to move something in the offseason. One thing's for certain guys, they have to alleviate some of these log jams, specifically in the outfield. I don't think the Cardinals would like to part with a guy like Alec Burleson, but he makes sense in terms of freeing up some of that space. And I think Carlson fits that narrative as well. But again, I'm not quite sure what his value would be right now, given his current role with the team. And we'll get you out of here on this. If the Cardinals trade Paul DeYoung tomorrow, do you believe that they will call up Mason Wynn to get the majority of the at-bats at shortstop? I would, I wouldn't say immediately, but I would say if there is no shortstop, if Paul DeYoung is gone, and Tommy Eden comes back and needs a breather, that I would imagine Mason Wynn coming up around the end of August, early September. What more do they have to lose at this point? If they want Mason Wynn to be a key piece in 2024, why not give him a trial run now? It wouldn't mess up service time if they brought him back around that time. You might as well see what you're working with. I would just bring him up in August, but at least they would in that scenario be bringing him up. So I suppose that I can uh, tell him Katie an extra. (laughs) Tell him Katie. Well, it's not your job (laughs) for sure. Katie, appreciate the time. As always, we'll be reading all of your great work over on the athletic. I know this is going to be a crazy busy 28 hours for you. We'll see you tomorrow down at the ballpark. You got it, guys. Cannot wait. Sounds good. That's Katie Wu joining us here on 101 ESPN. Always appreciate her time. Alex, they're not going to trade. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just bringing back all the cold, yeah, just going all, all the way back. 
they're not going to trade any of these position players, are they? No. They're just going to be like, no. you know what? We'll do that in the offseason. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they're going to trade Carlson anymore. That's <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're, uh, they're going to say that we could get all of this done in the offseason, and then they'll wait until the winter meetings and general manager meetings, and then they'll say, well, the prices were significantly high, and then they'll say, we'll take a look at what the free agent market, and the free agent market will be, well, we just didn't want to get to that point that Nola and Blake Snell did, so we thought that, uh, you know, Alex Cobb and um, Alex Wood and James Paxton made a lot of, of sense for us. Ooh. I mean, you could sit there you, and tell you me do I'm not want Alex Wood. No, but I do like Paxton. No, he brought yeah. up Alex Wood. I did bring oh, him up really? on like a one year, like kind no. of as a number but five. But yeah, on no, Lance Lynn. It's on Lance Lynn. You're a better. I would have rather had uh, Lance Lynn, but no, I, I'm out on all of the above. Do that's the offseason. Do you guys think? No. You know what? Don't. Do this on the other side. No, you can't. Three one four. 399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. If you guys have a scenario for in or out, you guys put those in on the Air Comfort Service text line. We'll get to them next. And we'll, and we'll pull begin them out. with this. In or out, the Cardinals will trade at least one of their cost-controlled position players for a starting pitcher prior to tomorrow's deadline. We'll get to it next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Come on, man. Are you in or are you out? It's in or out with BK and Ferrario. Brought to you by Train Heating and Cooling. Visit traininfo.com. It's hard to stop a train. That was a beautiful rendition. I'm Brandon Kylie, Tanner Hendrickson on the ones and twos here on BK and Ferrario. Guys, let's start out with this. In or out? By tomorrow at 5 o'clock, the Cardinals will have traded one of their cost-controlled position players for a starting pitcher that fits into their rotation in 2024. I'm going to say out because I think if they do trade, it won't be a guy they're going to get for their rotation for 2024. Because the only one I could see them trading that would fall in that category is Dylan Carlson. And I'm not sure the Cardinals get the pitcher in your rotation for just Dylan Carlson. So I'm going to say I'm out. I think I'm out too because I'm losing confidence that they're going to move one of these bats to go get somebody. I Carlson, uh, just hearing Katie now really changed my mind because I thought he'd be the guy that would bring in like a Clark Schmidt or uh, Aaron Savali from the Cleveland Guardians. But she almost made she made me kind of cautious that they're going to do what they're doing with O'Neill, which is ah, oh, the value's just oh, too geez. low. It's too. We got to still figure out what we, Dylan Carlson is. We can get more from him, one good bounce back season. So I, I'm very oh. skeptical. Oh, so please. I'm out. I don't think they're doing that kind of move until the off season. I think I'm in. I think it's going to be Savali though. I think that it's going to be one of those guys that we're like, fine, sure. I hope this they guy's do. Going to be okay. Like. I, my guess would be when the Cardinals make the move, Cardinals fans will say, we gave away that for him, and that'll be the way that it ends up going. And if it ends up being like a Savali or something like that, my opinion will basically be, hey, what was Dylan Carlson's role for the long-term future here? As much as people like him, and he's not even the fourth outfielder right now. He's a defensive replacement. Like, he's used in the same role that Michael A. Taylor would be here in St. Louis. And that's, again, not a shot against Dylan Carlson. That's the role that he's been handed. It's unfair to him in some ways. I think he'll be pretty good if he ends up going to Cleveland. But I'm in because I think the Cardinals will eventually have to come to terms with the fact that 
his value is not going to get higher because they're not going to use him in a more meaningful way. And that's what it would require for them to get the value from him. So I'm going to say I'm in. I think they end up trading him. And I think Alec Burleson's the one that ends up burning him. Alex. All right, boys, in or out at the start of next season, we are all discussing who the Cardinals actual number one pitcher is. In terms of like questioning whether or not they have one. Meaning that oh, they don't and. go out and get one and they're going to be like, oh, well, we can see him as a number one. I think it'll be Jack Flaherty-esque where you have to squint and oh God, tilt I'm your head so to the right you a said little ask. bit. And you hope that it ends up working out. I mean, other teams have had that too that have ended up working out where it didn't go the way that the Cardinals did. And you had to kind of squint to hope but, that there was somebody that came through and the guy actually ended up coming through. But other teams can evaluate talent a little bit better. It's a fair point. And I think that's what they're going to be hoping on is one of the guys that they bring in ends up having the potential to be a number one, even though they're not an established number one. Yeah, I'm in. And I hope that that last part you said is there's the potential to be one. I hope it's not a sunning gray and that's the guy because like, look, I think he's a great signing, but he's not a guy that has the potential to be a number one. The guy that has the potential is Giolito. Can I speak on the sunny gray thing, by the way? Go ahead, sir. So. I was reading a piece from a Minnesota Twins beat writer who said that he expects Sonny Gray to get a qualifying offer this offseason. Oh, Cardinals if he won't stays sign <laughs> in Minnesota. Not only will they not sign him, they should not sign him if he ends up being attached to a qualifying offer. You shouldn't give up another second round pick for Sonny Gray to sign Sonny Gray. This is one of the reasons why Giolito has become such an attractive option. He will not be attached yeah. to a qualifying offer because he was just traded at the deadline. So. It's basically, would you rather have Giolito at, let's call it 25 mil a year with no second round pick going or Sonny Gray at 18 a year with a second round pick attached? This was one of the things that I cautioned about last year with the Contreras signing. That second round pick, everybody just kind of threw it off to the side as if it was nothing. That mattered. They didn't have a second round pick this year because of that signing. So I, I think that's something to keep in mind. Giolito may be one of the only guys on the market that's at the top end that not not get one. Snell's probably yeah. going to get one. Nola's probably going to get one. If Rodriguez gets I hope traded. That Snell gets traded. Fingers crossed. He's not yeah. going to. If but. Rodriguez gets traded, he won't have one if he opts out. But if Strowman decides to opt out, I think he can still get the qualifying offer. From the 314. Steven Matz is a number one. Just look at his second half oh. this past year. Signed Mo, spring of 2024. That change up. That. I get it, Mo. Have you seen um, the uptick in miles per hour on his fastball? T Bone? Oh, oh. In or out? We see the Cardinals deal another one of their bullpen arms at the deadline. Oh, and in. I think you get two more. Really? Mm hmm. I think one of Helsley or Gallegos is gone. I think you're going to get some. There's too much buzz on the Helsley thing for me not to believe that there's something going on there. It'd be kind I... of awkward to not have it happen. Yeah, I kind of think that Helsley's going to end up getting traded. Yeah. And I bet you he gets healthy real quick for his next team. <laughs> oh, my arm. <laughs> oh, look, it works. Uh, I think I'm in two, but I'm, again, just like the Cardinals trading a position player, I'm starting to wait on that a little bit more. I think you're right. I think it's Helsley. I think he's, I think he's the one that's packaged with jack I, I could see that where that jack, would get him a good return by the way i, I think jack and helsley could be dealt Both to like arizona to or baltimore i don't know about the dodgers but um i i could see where they package those two and then they ship the young off separately and get a small deal for him and send him to like san francisco i wonder if the marlins would be interested in something where it's like the cardinals give up helsley jack dylan and dylan and they get something of significance I, in return. Uh, I'm going to go out of limb and say no, because Skip knows those guys too well. And I think Skip saw the same thing with Helsley. I think he saw the same thing with Carlson. Jack, he may be more open I think he too, likes Carlson. I, was gonna say, I think Skip's optimistic on Carlson. Helsley. I, think, yeah, I had higher standards. And I think Skip would man. love to have Jack Flaherty down there. 
at least especially just for a playoff run because your team wasn't expected to be this good. Guys, the Cardinals loved Jack Flaherty. For all of the stuff that Look was surrounding they the outside, they really believed in Jack Flaherty and still continue to this day believing in Jack Flaherty. It's one of the reasons why I'm still wondering at this point in time, are they going to resign? That's why when you said ask, I'm like, oh, God, don't say Jack They're Flaherty. They're not going to, but like, would you completely rule out a reunion this offseason if the Cardinals end up kind of circling yeah. back with him after the prices are too high on other guys? Because I, I wouldn't. I, I would. I would bet against it, but... The money you're going to spend on to bring him back, I'd rather spend on another pitcher because you need a change. You, you don't need the same guy. I agree. Guy. We'll see what they end up deciding. They'll but, do it because they'll think, oh, we saved a million dollars. And they got a good trade for him at the deadline. You know, like they, I think they're going to deal him. And then we'll see what the offseason ends up looking like and what some of the prices are. All right, 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line for in or out. Uh, guys, in or out... The Cardinals end up trading for somebody at this year's deadline or have already done so that will be in their rotation on opening day next year. Help. I don't I just don't think you're going to get somebody who will be with the exception of Savali, but I'm a little skeptical that they're able to get that done because I I wonder if a team offers up more than what the Cardinals offer. I just I don't see it happening unless you are going to make some type of big time trade with Helsley Flaherty and Carlson. But I don't know if the Cardinals are going to do that. Slash, I don't know if the other team is going to be willing to give up what the Cardinals want for that. So I'm going to say out. I'm in because of Savali. I I think he ends up being the guy. I'm out. Or somebody similar. I'm out because I don't think he fits the profile they're looking for anymore of a swing and miss guy. So. Oh, buddy. And also, too, like I I think he's going to draw in a lot more potentially than what we're talking about. And I think we said that on the front end of that segment we did in the 11 o'clock hour. I think this whole notion of major league teams. I mean, we saw the reporting about a month ago. Oh, that. The market's not looking for rentals. It's looking for cost control pitchers. Oh, there's cost control pitchers available. Well, one, yeah, everybody's looking for cost control pitching. And two, the quote-unquote guys that were available, it was basically, yeah, they're available if I get the godfather offer. And I, I don't think that's happening across baseball. As we've seen, the rentals are the ones that are moving recently. So I'm just out. I don't think anybody's going to really pull the trigger on anything. Yeah, the only controllable pitchers that have been moved so far are Scherzer and then maybe Verlander. Yeah. And that's kind of different because the Mets the are paying down. I, he's got an option, right? So the oh, Mets I- are paying down that money for both of those guys if they end up getting moved. I, Scherzer's making like $20 million for the Rangers yeah. for the next what a deal. year and a half. It's a hell of a deal. It's an and, unbelievable and can, deal for the Rangers. They can picture that rotation next year being DeGrom. Scherzer, DeGrom, and Evaldi. <laughs> and then also have Martin Perez. And, and John Gray. And John Gray. Yeah. It, I love yeah, what that's the Rangers, how the Rangers are, are good. And if you want a model for what the Cardinals could do, it's the Rangers. Here's the problem. They won't. The Rangers went out and spent a boatload of money. First on their position players, which Cardinals have kind of already done with Goldie and Arenado. They just did it in a different way. Instead of going to free agency, they did it via trade. Now they got to get to the, the the pitching side of things. And they got an old school manager. Oh, God. And Chris an old school Bochy. pitching coach. Yeah. Oh, God. Miss Maddox. Mad dinner out pizza and wings tonight. Oh, Always man. Up. I had pizza over the weekend. I did, too. Oh, my God. That's why we're wearing the same colored shirt. Are you guys wearing the same shirt? Are you serious? Did you not notice? We've been on the air for two and a half hours, and you didn't notice that? Can I give a quick shout-out to the pizza place that I went to? Can I give it one, too? Sure. Okay, go ahead. You first. Jalisco Pizza in St. Charles was amazing. It's a new place that I was unaware of. It's Mexican-inspired pizza. Interesting. Have you ever had Tacos Beer? Oh, taco pizzas are the best. So they had an all-pastor pizza, which was great, and then they had a beer pizza as well, which was phenomenal. It was 
Very, very, very good. Out in Shout Charles out County. to my Montebello's Pizza in South County. Oh, whole buddy. I half expected one year to go. Shout out to Pizza Hut. <laughs> no, that would have been your shout out. Coming up next. Shout out to Tostino's from Schnucks. <laughs> <laughs> Tombstone Pizza. Tombstone. Shout out to the pizza rolls I found in the back of my freezer last night. Coming up next. The Cardinals said they were going to add pitching, pitching, and more pitching. They did the weekend. Are they done? We'll talk about it next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You know, I've been saying all along, right? Pitching, pitching, pitching. And we felt like we got a lot of pitching, pitching, pitching so far. And and so if there's something that might not be a pitcher, now we might pursue it. Whereas a lot of what we were focusing on in the last you know, week or so was really trying to find the right pitchers. Alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. That was Mo yesterday talking with the media about what the Cardinals plan to do now because they still have Jack Flaherty. They've still got Paul DeYoung. They've still got some options for trades going into Tuesday's deadline. Alex, I do not think this that this team is done uh, dealing yet. I, I think they've got some more stuff that's going to be taking place over the next 28 hours or so, right? So when they do trade those players, what are they bringing back? The goal was to add as much pitching as possible. Do you think, based on those comments and based on what they've already brought into the system, which is four new pitchers, that they have done enough? Or do they still need to be targeting more pitching as they go out there to the market? Do I believe they've done enough? No, because I think you need more options right now. I mean, yeah, you added some pitchers, but as J.J. Cooper told us earlier, these guys aren't impacting your ball club next year. And frankly, that was the one thing that John Moselak talked about was, focusing on 2024 and if the 2024 season's main focus is going to be the offseason fine but show me you're making some progress in that direction and as well as these prospects are in return that you've got 2025 and beyond and if you're competing next year you need to do something different so uh, I don't believe they've done enough I think if Jack Flaherty's still available if one of Helsley or Gallegos is still available if Paul DeYoung's available if one of the many outfielders is still available maybe two of them that could garner you a lot in terms of focusing on 2024. Maybe not the ace, maybe not the number two, but it could get you something in terms of the back end of your rotation and in the middle of your bullpen, which is something that they need to focus on with these trade pieces. Yeah, I I think now you've kind of gotten to the point where you've got some depth into your minor league system with your pitching, but I still think you can target more high upside arms, and I don't even think they necessarily have to be at the double-A slash triple-A level anymore. And I think that was the goal in these two trades, was to get guys that not only can provide depth, but they provide that at the triple-A level for next year for the St. Louis Cardinals. And that's what they got. And they also got a guy with a little bit of upside, too. So I I like what they did. But I think now it is when you're trading a Jack Flaherty, Paul DeYoung, if you move a bullpen piece like a Helsley or Gallegos, I think now what you're looking for is you're looking for whatever the best prospect is in the package, whether you think it's an an outfielder, an infielder, or a pitcher, and you're also taking swings at maybe even pitchers that are lower in the minor leagues. I think now they can start looking for guys that are at like 
A-ball level that project to be number twos that have got swing and miss stuff. I think they can kind of start to reach now for guys that have upside rather than going, okay, we just kind of need more depth in our AAA system so we're not depleted going into next year. Six of the Cardinals' top seven prospects. This is according to MLB.com. Every list is a little different. But according to their list, six of the top seven prospects in the Cardinal system are now pitchers. Their ETAs for those guys are all ranging somewhere between 2024 and 2025. So it's not like these guys are all three or four years away, right? They're on the cusp of being right there. So I think they're okay in terms of like, you don't need to force it now. Now you can go into today and tomorrow's negotiations with other teams and saying, let's maximize our return regardless of what that means positionally. If that means getting a guy that we think values as a high leverage reliever next year, go ahead. You can include that guy into into your, uh, your return. If you think it is a corner outfielder that has the potential to be a 30 home run guy but he's four years away sure if that's the top top player that you can get in return for jack flaherty go get it if you think that means adding a legit mlb player right now for jack flaherty cool whatever the best return is possible what you did yesterday opens yourself up to a lot more flexibility over the next 24 hours so i saw some criticisms yesterday that the cardinals jumped the market and didn't get enough in return especially for the the hicks deal i think everybody was pretty happy with the monty uh return but for the hicks deal i saw some that were critical of them getting on it so quickly i think this is why you do that because it provides you the flexibility to get the best return possible for jack flaherty going into the deadline i think the two guys that were likely to get you the most or Flaherty and Helsley, because Helsley is controllable and has the velocity that Hicks has, and we've seen what he looks like at his best. And Flaherty, guys, teams are dreaming on it. They are. They're going to look at it the same way that we did coming into the season, and especially with how he's been pitching lately, they can see, okay, there's proof of concept right here. If you tweak a couple of things, if we get our coaching staff with him, maybe he still has that number two starter type of upside for us if we get him into our system. So I, I think you could get a lot for them, and now you get to maximize those returns. Who do you guys think is the next player to go? If you had to bet today who the next one to go is, because Derek Gould wrote this earlier today. The Marlins, Dodgers, Orioles, and Yankees are all among the clubs that have had some conversations about the Cardinals starting pitching. Baltimore certainly had interest in Montgomery, and they also had discussions with the Cardinals about Dylan Carlson. The young center fielder has been part of talks to increase the return on some of these deals. Alex, who do you think is the next Cardinals player that's traded? I think Paul DeYoung is the next one that gets traded because I don't think he's a part of a package. I think that's just trading Paul DeYoung for the roster spot and bringing something in return. I think Carlson and Flaherty are going to be a package, and because that deal is so big, that's going to be one of those that gets all the way up to the trade deadline uh, at 5 p.m. So I'm going to say Paul DeYoung goes next. I'm going to go Jack in a bullpen arm. I, I think, the, and if I had to limit to one, I'd say Jack because I, I think that the market is starting to move and we're starting to get more answers on what teams are doing. And I think Jack is arguably, what, the best pitcher on the market, second best pitcher on the market. Like, sure, you can go get a cease potentially if you give up a ton. If you're just looking for an arm to come in and, like you said, dreaming on as like a number two. I think it's now Jack and Eduardo Rodriguez. I think those are the two biggest names out on the market. Lorenzen falls beneath him, and so does everybody else. So, And Rodriguez, just to insert real quick, he's a little bit of a different discussion as well because he technically has an opt-in. Yeah. So it, it muddies the waters a little bit. Flaherty is very clean. You know exactly what you're getting in terms of the contract status. Yeah, so I, I think he's near the top of the market. I think teams are going to start jumping, especially now that things are starting to become more clear 
with Snell. Sounds like he's staying. The one that may kind of block this right now is Verlander, but there's only two teams are probably truly in on him, and that's the Dodgers, I would say, and the Astros. Because Verlander has a say, doesn't he? Yeah. Outside of that, you know exactly what you're what you're getting. I don't think Verlander's going to go, yeah, Baltimore sounds nice this time of hey. year. So I, I think it's pretty much Crab clear cakes. of, hey, if you need starting pitching and you're not the Dodgers or the uh, Astros, Jack Flaherty's probably your number one target. Yeah. I think... I think that that is the favorite. Like, I, I think DeYoung or Flaherty are the two guys that if we were putting up the betting odds, they're the two favorites right now to go to go next. To be a little different, Dylan Carlson would be my bet. You think he's by himself, or do you think he's in a package? I don't know. Because, see, I don't see him getting traded solo. I think a package. But I think it's so limited in terms of the teams that would take on Dylan Carlson. Like, he is a very specific type of player for a very specific need. And I don't know how many teams need his type of player at this point in the season. So that's where it gets a little difficult. The Yankees obviously have interest. It's been reported everywhere. They are speaking. They're seemingly shouting from the mountaintops. We love Dylan Carlson. (laughs) I think he makes a lot of sense for the Guardians. I really do. Apparently, the Orioles have interest. If there's this kind of interest around Major League Baseball for Dylan Carlson, you got multiple teams that are bidding on him, whether it's in a package or just on his own. I think he's a guy that probably ends up getting dealt at this year's deadline. Yeah, no. That would be my perspective. I, I don't I'm less confident of that today though than I was forty eight hours Man, ago. Man, Moe's gonna pull him off the trade block now because all these teams calling are interested. He's like, Oh, maybe we evaluated him wrong. I, I think Burleson's the guy that is really interesting to me, man. Gould has reported that there's a bunch of teams that are interested in him, and I don't blame him. He is uh the numbers aren't there right now. But he's still super young. He was a top 100 prospect. He's a left-handed bat that has as good of a contact rate as anybody in baseball right now. Literally ranked. And if you give that that up, I think there's going to be some teams that are super interested in adding an Alec Burleson. That want him to just be a DH, play first base in corner outfields occasionally for them, and come in and hit against right-handed pitching. I think there's a, a real market for that as well. So I'll be curious to see how the Cardinals value him. We'll hit the rewind coming up next. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's run it back with a daily rewind on BK and Ferrario. Brought to you by Stewart's American Mortgage. Google the bagel loan featuring zero fees and zero closing costs. today's show be sure to check it out of the podcast page 101 espn.com and the free 101 espn app is where you go to find it it is all presented by dobbs tire and auto center earlier today we talked to jj cooper he's the editor-in-chief of baseball america he broke down all the prospects that the cardinals were able to get in their trades yesterday katie Wu also explained the cardinals thought processes in those trades so find that all over on the podcast page after the show today alex that's where i want to end today is by looking back at some of those deals and specifically talk about what they were able to get in return. I liked what they did yesterday because I think they did a nice job of kind of leveling out some of the risk. And what I mean by that is uh, the TK Roby, who is the top pitching prospect that they were able to get in the Montgomery deal. He's a high upside, but also high risk type of pitcher. That's the profile that he carries. He's got the upside to be a number two, 
but he had a shoulder injury this year. He had an elbow injury two years ago, and there's no guarantee he ever becomes a meaningful starter in the big leagues. But if he does, you can dream on it. It's like Jack Flaherty type of upside, Gordon Graceffo type of upside. That's what you're hoping for, right? But it might not work. In the Hicks return, they got two pitchers that, based on all of the reports, I think the best case scenario is like a number five starter, number four starter. But worst case scenarios, you get somebody that's probably going to contribute at the big league level in a Dakota Hudson type of a manner where they fill some innings. Maybe they have a good season here or there. They kind of ride that Memphis shuttle and you see what they're worth and then maybe end up trading them a few years from now. But that's a meaningful role for a guy that you're able to get in return for two months of a closer on a team that's not contending. So I liked what they did. And I really liked what they were able to get in this infielder from Texas, where you've got the chance to be able to have a legit utility infielder, kind of similar to what like a Jed Jerko was previously for the Cardinals. So I like the returns that they got yesterday, even though they're not blow your socks off. Nobody was expecting that. The infielder that they got back was the most intriguing one to me because it creates more options for this Cardinals team and it gives them the ability to do for 2024, what John Mosellock said they got to do and make the team competitive. You bring in an infielder that could be contributing next year as an infielder, utility guy that's got some power potential. He's got the defense. He's got the contact. He's got everything you need. You bring that in on top of having Donovan and Edmund and Gorman and Mason win. Now you got options. And now it comes down to in the offseason, which is probably the more likely area that the Cardinals make this big move. The options become, what does this team want? And you know what? Before, you don't want to give up a Brendan Donovan. But maybe this makes things a little bit easier for you if you've got this option. All of the pitchers they got, they did what I expected them to do. You get the best you can get in free agents-to-be for what you had, and you add some depth with a couple of upsides. And that's the good part. But the infielder was the more intriguing one to me because it gives the Cardinals the opportunity to make a bigger move in the offseason. Yeah, and I like what they did in terms of the pitching prospects that got back because they decided to get one guy that's going to have some upside with the right shoulder. He's dealing with the right shoulder injury, so anything can happen. But he does have upside if he were healthy. I think Keith Law said he'd be the best pitching prospect in the Rangers system ahead of those two guys that they've drafted in uh, Rocker and in Leader. Uh, or lighter, excuse me. And then I, I also like the idea of the two guys they got. Maybe they could have gotten more for Jordan Hicks if they waited things out, but I like that they got two guys that provide at least some depth into the minor leagues for next year. I, they're not going to be guys that I think contribute in a meaningful way, but if you need to call somebody up to start on it in a double header or you deal with injuries, I think they're guys that can serve as reasonable number fives for you in a rotation if you have to use them. And in 2025, maybe they're guys that come in as number fives as well on cost control deals. So I like everything they did, and I agree with you. I, I think the infielder was the most exciting piece that they got in the package. He has a bat profile that reminds me kind of Harrison Bader that plays on the infield. So somebody on the text line, this is the biggest uh, criticism that I've seen from the trade so far. Guys, it's not going to help you win in 2024. They should have just taken the draft choice instead. So here's the thing with this. I think a lot of these guys can contribute in 2024. I think the part that fans may grow frustrated with is that they're not certain they're not to help you in 2024. Names. They're not household names, and they're, they're not at the big league level right now. Most of these guys are going to be assigned to AAA Memphis, is what the Cardinals have reported, which means that they're right on the cusp. Next year, Michael McGreevy could help the Cardinals. Gordon Graceffo could help the Cardinals. Uh, you might end up with T.K. Roby helping the Cardinals. Robers could help the Cardinals. Klaffenstein uh, might help the Cardinals. I can't guarantee you any of that, but it's possible. And so that's what they were trying to find. They were trying to find guys that are close enough that they can help next year if they're needed. That's where Matthew Libertor is right now. 
but he has not developed in a way that they have been able to trust him. So it's going to come down to can any of these guys develop at the right level? And if they do, they're going to be like legit contributing members of the Cardinals in 2024. If you wanted more than that, that's where we start talking about Dylan Carlson, Nolan Gorman, Brendan Donovan, Lars Newbar, the Tommy Edmonds of the world. Those guys acquire the type of pitching that you want. It's going to take a lot more than just an expiring deal on a reliever or a starter. So let's wait to see what they do over the next 24 plus hours. We will be back with you guys tomorrow at 11 a.m. to break it all down. Tomorrow should be certainly a much more active day in Major League Baseball. Tanner and myself will be down at the ballpark with any updates from there tomorrow. Until then, we'll talk to you guys here on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.